Free Talk Live. You are free to call in and talk live here on the airwaves. That's what we do here at Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Angie. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450. Free as in freedom. And while we're waiting for those calls, I got a little show prep, Angie. Looks like, well, from CNBC here, Anna Novo, Annie Nova writes, the government took this single mom's $3,000 tax refund to cover her student loans, and she's trying to get it back. And I think this is interesting because, well, these, these student loans have basically become the way to create serfs out of this generation that is younger than I. Right. And it scares the heck out of me that uh, America has put into debt slavery a gener- nearly a generation. And, and certainly it's, I mean, if, if, if you are to believe that smart people go to college and that's what they would like us to believe, then many of the smartest people of a generation have been thrown into debt slavery because, you know, the important part is you get to college, not how you pay for it. And then, of course, sign all this, and then we'll keep you in uh, debt slavery for They'll the rest of your They'll give you that money. Yeah, yeah, they're happy to do that. So uh, going on here, this uh, story, as she scanned her, the letter's black type, Alexis Patterson felt herself go numb. The U.S. Department of Treasury applied all or part of your payment to delinquent debt that you owe, it read. Patterson stopped reading. One thing mattered now. The single mother would not receive her $3,000, that's $3,063, by the way, tax refund, including her child tax credit. So it's not entirely a tax refund in this circumstance. There's a little bit of welfare thrown in there, too. Um, The Republicans like this particular type of welfare because you have to fill out a tax form to get it. The government would instead apply the money to her past due student loan account. She and her 11-year-old daughter, Ophelia, have been homeless over the past few months in Portland, Oregon. A refund, she hoped, would help them secure a place to stay. Everything just fell out from beneath me, Patterson, who's 47, said. Tax refunds are a lifeline for many people. The average check from the IRS in 2019 so far is about $2,795, which represents six weeks of income for the typical family in the U.S., and the largest cash infusion um, one in three households will see all year. So this is just a, you know, it's a, a big, it's it's a big boatload of money. It's like winning uh, scratchers uh, yeah. for a lot of people. Everyone likes tax time. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, my first advice is don't fill out the W, I think it's the W-2 form. Um, I haven't filled one of these things out in a while. So if the names have changed or if I've got it wrong, please forgive me. Okay. But don't fill it out in such a manner that you will receive taxes. Fill it out in such a manner that you will pay them. Okay. When the time comes. Nobody wants to pay taxes. But you have to figure out whether or not you're going to be head of household, whether you're going to get an earned income tax credit, whether you're going to get a child tax credit and a whole variety of things. Mm -hmm. You can figure it out ahead of time and then fill in the proper number because it's just a number. Um, I used to fill in zero. Then I realized, oh, I get a big tax return. Well, that means I'm getting a free loan to the government. So I started filling out one. And when that didn't work out, then I started putting two. And the reason is, is that you want to actually pay the government. You want to write a check at income tax time. Now, isn't it correct that if you put one or two or however many you claim when you fill that form out, that they take out more money? 
each check. The, the, as, it, as it worked when I was doing it, it was the zero that resulted in the least, the most amount of money taken out of your check. Okay, so the more people that you claim, the less they take out. Correct. Okay. So the bigger the number, I mean, if you had like nine dependents or whatever, then, um, you know, obviously they take very little out because yeah. the expect, expectation is that you'd get more back. Okay. Um, and, well, you know, I... That ultimately, if this lady would have taken less out of her paycheck and given the government less money, then they would have had less to seize. And she wouldn't have got so much back for her refund. Well, she at this point hasn't gotten anything back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have awarded themselves her refund. And so anyway, here she's getting about an average for the for a household. And uh, it's probably the biggest tax. It's probably the biggest cash infusion that uh, she's expecting to see in that household. And this is true for most Americans. For an increasing number of people who've fallen behind in their student loans, however, that relief never comes. The U.S. government has um, an extraordinary uh, collection powers on federal debts and can seize borrowers' tax refunds and earned income and child tax credits as well as their wages and Social Security. When you take a student loan, you're signing, especially if you're taking that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or whatever the heck that stuff is, or the, you know, I can't remember all that. But when you sign up with the government to take a student loan, you're signing up with the most rapacious and dangerous creditor on the planet because they can do whatever they want to you. Oh, yeah. You sign that right up. You say, hey, you can take it. You can have it if I haven't paid it. But if she can't afford to pay her student loan, why would they think taking her refund is going to help her? Well, it's not, not going to, help to her. start they're... her on good payment history. <laughs> right. They're just, at this point, she's got bad payment history, and they're intending to get as much of that money as they can get. And that's why I say this is debt slavery. This is debt serfdom. Uh, I've been using these terms because that's what I believe. Well, whatever she went to college for is not working out for her. So why should she have to pay the debt? Well, it's it's a good question, but they look to her to take the gamble, not them. This, and that's the paper you sign. I'm not saying it's, uh, you know, it's I, what I feel like is, is that we've all been lied to about college and including me. Now, college wasn't that expensive. You know, I'm, I'm 48 years old. When I was uh, in school, we were told, you know, you smart kids, you go off to college, you dumb kids, you go to the uh, Votech, right? And that's what they, but more or less, the, the line yeah. they fed us. I'm not saying that's what they said. They would never say that because that would be too harsh. But they dumbed it down. Right. But the teachers who all went to college all wanted you to do as they had done and gone to college because they believe that that's the best test. And it, and it certainly was, and it probably still is. But the problem is, is that now these uh, lending agencies, backed by the government to some extent, now have stepped their way in, and they're taking a larger and larger and larger slice of that piece of extra payment that you get. And it takes longer and longer and longer to pay it back. Sure, if you're a doctor or an engineer or maybe a lawyer and, you know, there's probably a handful, nurses do really well, a handful of other careers out there, then it makes a lot of sense. But if it's not those handful of careers, then it's probably a bunch, or you can go work for the government because they love degrees. Oh, of course. Um, they're all about that. But after that, it's just a bunch of gobbledygook. Mm -hmm. We just paid off my wife's student loan just this last, just within the last six months. And it was a nice day. Yep, paid, finally. Now, mind you, this lady hasn't worked in about, going on 12, nah, at least 11 years. I was going to ask if she used her degree. She used it. Okay. But she never paid it back. She couldn't have. Yeah. Right? The extra money she would have made working someplace else, 
No, there's no way. Nope. And she got a degree in something that she was interested in as opposed to something that was going to pay well. So she went well, into... Well, that's what most people do. Social work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so that didn't work out particularly well. This year, the U.S. government has already taken $3.3 billion from $1.4 million student loan borrow. So a large percentage of the population, about half of a percent of the population uh, from their t- federal tax refunds, compared with the $2.3 billion from 1.2 million borrowers in 2016. So it's going up. They're going after more and more people. According to, this is a data provided to CNBC by the U.S. Treasury Department, it's also pulled almost $50 million this year from 91,000 borrowers' state tax refunds. If they see that people aren't able to pay them back, why are they still giving away so much money? Like to new people that are coming yes. in? Well, don't think the government's losing out here. They're a creditor that can collect. More or less, if you're going to work on the books, they're going to get paid. That's why they're willing to put this out. Essentially, they're using their tax power to collect. Mm-hmm. And unlike any other borrower out there, you can borrow from lots of people. I mean, and only like Vinny Deshock, he's the only one who's going to be worse. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean it's so it just keeps on going up, up, up. Patterson, going back to the lady here now, is now scrambling to get her refund back. She's finding the process close to impossible. She owes around eighty thousand dollars in student loans. Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. Tonight, it's Mark with you. And Angie. The number is 855-450-3733. We're talking about how the United States government has been taking more and more people's tax refunds to pay off their student loans. It doesn't seem to matter what condition you're in financially. They're going to take it anyway. One way that you can, well, protect your money from organizations that might want to take it is by having your money in cryptocurrency as opposed to U.S. dollars. And Bitcoin.com is your source for finding out all kinds of information about cryptocurrencies, Uh, probably most specifically Bitcoin Cash, which they believe to be the best and are making a pretty good case for that. So you go to Bitcoin.com and they can help you choose a Bitcoin Cash wallet, for instance. And, you know, the wallet will hold other cryptocurrencies, too, some of them. Um, And you can buy Bitcoin Cash. You can show you where to spend your Bitcoin Cash, places like saveatpurse.com. You can also uh, read the latest news and engage with the community on their uh, forum. Matter of fact, you can get some free Bitcoin Cash. Just go to free.bitcoin.com. But, you know, learn more. Go there. Start poking around. It's Bitcoin.com. I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about uh, Bitcoin Cash these days because, well, I believe a bull run has begun uh, in the cryptocurrencies. Just a belief. I am not a fortune teller. I do not see the future, but that's what I think. The trend says as. Yeah, the trends, right? Let's go to Sarah calling in from New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Um, it was announced yesterday that raw cream, all the raw creams will only uh, sell cigarette products to uh, 21 years or older uh, starting next year. 
I didn't think Walgreens sold uh, cigarettes at all. Well, they, they sell tobacco products, but it has, all, has been like 18. Well, 18 is the legal age, right? Yeah, 18. Yeah, they sell all types of um, cigarette products um, and also alcohol products. But um, now, due to uh, it's a federal law, and they're only going to uh, sell to 21 years or older. What do you mean a federal so, law? Well, that's what I want to know. You know, that's why I, this is what was announced yesterday on the news. It looks like amid so, FDA pressure is what it's uh, saying here. Walgreens to raise tobacco buying age to 21. See, I I mostly go to CVS, and CVS, I guess, isn't selling tobacco products um, these days. And I support them in that. It doesn't seem like an organization that's put together to heal people should be selling, uh, well, the product that kills the most. I'm not against people's right to smoke, but I am for a business's right to sell what they want to sell. And, you know, Free Talk Live doesn't sell cigarettes, (laughs) you know, and if CVS doesn't feel like it's uh, right for them to sell cigarettes, then by God, they shouldn't be, there shouldn't be some kind of, as far as I'm concerned, I don't see a a reason to get upset or protest. Uh, I think it's a good move on their part. If your business model is centers around these things, then I can understand it. But, um, you know, when I see the, many of these convenience stores that make most of their money from lottery tickets, uh, tobacco and alcohol, it just looks like a it's, it's like a base for uh, a place for bad decisions. No, but I, I, when, when did it become a federal law? It's not. Walgreens have to sell only to 21 years or older. I, I thought, here's the thing is that I thought they were just working on it. We, we just only have five um that will try to make it 21. So where, why is Walgreens going to raise the age to 21? I mean, because the federal government is pressuring them? The FDA put Walgreens on notice in February, accusing the pharmacy chain of violating rules that prohibit selling cigarettes and other tobacco products to underage buyers. That's people under the age of 18. Walgreens, the FDA noted, is currently the top violator among pharmacies that sell tobacco products. Some 22% of Walgreens locations inspected by the agency caught employees illegally selling tobacco products to minors, the FDA said. So what likely happened here was uh, the FDA said to Walgreens, you can pay the fine that comes with this and it's not going to be fun or you can stop selling to people under the age of 18 so that you aren't breaking the laws anymore. Under the age of 21, so you aren't breaking, uh, breaking the laws anymore. So instead of paying the fine, they're, they're only going to sell to 21 years or older? That's, that's what I'm that's, – that's, that's me guessing from an article that I just pulled up while you were talking. It's just a guess, but that's how these things tend to work. Okay, and then also the – uh, federal government—they want to pass a federal law to make it 21 years or older, like uh, the whole country. Yes, they're calling they're that T21. That. Yeah, they're working on that. So the Walgreens is doing it because of the penalty. I'm, I'm like, how come they have to do it 21? I, you know, I'm, that's what I wanted to know. Now you know. Why? Why? I'm saying, if you're an employee, employee, why would you be selling it to minors? Don't you have to under 18? And, and, and you know, how do they get? Well, they're sending in the FDA sends in, uh, you know, people who are under the age of 18 to buy cigarettes. And if they're sold cigarettes at the counter, then 
they um, then they they're in violation. The Walgreens is in violation or whomever. Um, and if they don't, then they're not. Basically, it's a sting operation. Oh, it's a sting. But they okay. So then, why would those employees? Why would what's it wanted for them to be selling to minors? Why would they do it? Probably they're just not checking. They probably just say, "Okay, um, you want uh, a bag of Reese's cups and a pack of Newports? Fine. That's uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what Newports cost anymore, but uh, that's uh, probably I don't know thirteen dollars. Yep. Um, I don't even know. Right. Sure. I mean, it it's holds un- up the line. It's uncomfortable too. I mean, yeah. I don't want to ask people for their IDs. I, I would. I would not want to do that. But. Um, you know, there's a law, and when you're working that particular location, you have to be aware of the law. And now Walgreens has to pay; they're in trouble because of what their employees were doing, as opposed to what they were doing. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm just so happy to hear that you have to be 21. Now, they, now they're going to be strict. Now they're going to be uh, have to only sell 21 years or older, which means there's going to be less smokers. Oh, I don't know about that. They can get it somewhere else. Are the kids getting alcohol in high school still? Because I was, and it was the drinking age was twenty one then. As a matter of fact, what I do is I worked at a comic book store and I would trade comic books to my friends who were over the age of twenty one, and they'd just bring me in a uh, uh, one of those plastic bottles of vodka, one point seven five liters, the cheap stuff. You know, give it as cheap as one, and I'd give them double the value in comics because I had you know credit in the store, so I would essentially pay comics for for vodka and i was pretty happy with that arrangement so eh, i don't think you're stopping anybody from getting it no you know i i just i disagree with you because if you make it difficult instead of grabbing there's a plenty of 18 year olds to grab now you have to grab 21 year olds and do them favors there's less of them that you're you're, um to get a hold of for them to buy you a pack of cigarettes the more you make it difficult maybe it'll back it off uh, the starting age from uh, on average you know 15 to 17 i don't know i don't know the answer sarah but uh you know i don't celebrate celebrate it but at the same time smoking's bad thanks for the call 855-450-3733 it's 855 450 free free talk live Free Talk Live has found that though U.S. financial institutions are prohibited from doing business with foreign gambling websites, it's not illegal for U.S.-based Internet users to gamble on those sites. People have been using VPNs or virtual private networks to connect to sites like games.bitcoin.com and play games with Bitcoin Cash. Games.bitcoin.com features poker, blackjack, roulette, craps, keno, slots, and dice. You can conduct your own investigation at games.bitcoin.com. You can call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. And Angie. 855-450-3733. That's 855-450. Free is in freedom. Talking about this article where the government's going through and taking people's uh, uh, tax returns uh, if their student loans aren't paid up. And normally I wouldn't feel too bad for people that, you know, weren't paying their loans. But... (sighs) When it's these student loans, I really feel like it's a terrible idea to tell young people, well, you're not 
smart enough to make the decision as to whether or not to drink for another three years. But you can go ahead and sign up for this uh, $100,000 loan uh, that we're going to give you. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And then the... the... And you don't even have a job when you (laughs) sign up for it to pay it back. Right. It, like, there's not even a job placement program. No. Right. There's no guarantee that if you take, uh, you know, artistic basket weaving, th- then that you're going to be placed in a career that's going to pay something. It would make some sense. For one thing, what this is is the socialization of um, of education costs. Companies should be paying people's education if they want those people educated in a certain fashion. If Boeing wants aeronautical engineers, then they should be sending people to RIT for that. Um, you know, that's that's their problem, not our problem. And it's it's not a system that's particularly working out to my mind. But a system that does work well is AnyPay. If you operate a retail business and you're looking for a solution, for taking cryptocurrency, maybe you'd like to get one of those news stories that talks about it from your town that says, hey, you know, Angie's car wash is taking cryptocurrency. Well, that'd be good, right? Well, go to helpmetakebitcoin.com. I was just there today at helpmetakebitcoin.com. And it is so simple to set up. They, get, they walk you through. They've got a video. It's not even a long video uh, to, to, to help you with everything. Help me take Bitcoin. Com, and you can have all the benefits of taking uh, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Dash, uh, Zcash, and many more. Just go to helpmetakebitcoin.com. Let's go to Matthew calling in from Louisiana. Matthew, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, Mark. Hey, college is one of the biggest rackets going. Uh they basically tell you that you're not going to amount to anything until you get that that piece of paper, at least a bachelor's degree. You got you forget Four the associate's degree stuff. That's right. You got to get that bachelor's degree. A doctor is preferable. Master's, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you do all of that, and it could be in something totally work, worthless, but you. you so you find yourself working inside a shop, you know, doing manual labor, but an opening is opened up at the top. And then if you have that degree, you will get the supervisory position over somebody who has more experience, but does not have the piece of paper simply because you have the degree. And right. the people who make those decisions, they have degrees they do like degrees yes and i I suspect that might be if you're working in some big company where this matters but you know in a smaller company where the boss who owns the place gets to see everybody i don't think the degree is going to matter too much there because it's gonna be like oh all right who's competent who's not and there's lots of incompetent boobs that have degrees as the government Uh, as the government uh, got more and more involved in high school the diploma became worth less and less I think that that's probably just going to continue to happen in with the bachelor's degree, too, is that at some point it's basically going to be useless. The associate is useless now. Yeah. It, basically, an associate yep. is just you didn't finish school. That's it. Right. You started and didn't finish. It's probably worse than never Are having taken Are you going taken. back? Right. 
Well, the, the thing is, is I would agree with you. Certainly, this is an absolute rule at any really large corporation. But I've seen this happen at businesses that have like 38 people. Okay. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> How yep. about that? Yep. So your ability to advance in, class, in, in life is now completely dependent on your ability to sit in a classroom, take understand the material, regurgitate it on a test, and not make waves. I, I, my experience in uh, community college when I went. And this is one of the this this what I'm going to tell you right now is one of the reasons I didn't go back. Is I took their uh, like an introduction to business course because well what else would you take? Uh, it was summertime and I had just started I think in summer two or something, and I took the class. I know what I got on those tests. I know how much time and energy I put into this, and I know that I got a C. I know it. I could do. I can do rudimentary math and average. I know right. what my grade was. That lady grade, graded everything on a curve and gave me an A. Because <laughs> well, they were a lot nicer than when I went to college. I I got graded on a curve and I got a B. Well, I, I you know, and I realized, oh, this is BS. Oh, this is what? Okay, so I'm supposed to sit here for four years and participate in BS, and I just can't do it. Uh, you know, it's 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 a ter- to me, it's a terrible business model. If I if I'm going to pay you, I'm going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pay me, you're going to tell me what to do. Yep. But I'm not going to pay you to tell me what to do. Not that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, that only works for colleges and dominatrixes. All right, that's the end of and it. The government. <laughs> Yeah, well, you don't pay the government. You're just robbed by them. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is definitely a popular form- formulation uh, for sure. Ciao. Thanks for the call, Matthew. Bye. Appreciate it. So um, going back to this story here where uh, they were taking this this lady's money, the borrowers in financial distress can re- request that the, uh, that the education department review and potentially return their seized tax refund. However, Refunds are harder to get back than Social Security or wage offsets, said Prisus Yu, the director of Student Loan Borrower Assistant Project at the National Consumer Law Center. To do so, borrowers have to prove that they are at risk of eviction or foreclosure. Since Patterson, the woman they're talking about here, um, and her daughter have been homeless for, for months, she doesn't qualify. It's an absurdly strict standard that doesn't begin to capture the number of different ways in which borrowers are facing extreme financial hardship, you said. The uh, education department is required to let borrowers know in advance that their tax refund will be taken, but many people never see the letter for one reason or another. This lady was homeless. How was she going to see the letter? She wasn't going to come to get it in her mailbox. You don't have to get it, you said. They only have to send it. The government also only needs to notify borrowers the first time their refund will be offset and not subsequent years. So once they take your money, then they just take They're your money. They're going to take your money. Right. The Education Department does did not respond to CNBC's request for comment. Patterson said she never received a warning, although she also has little time to worry about that now. When they take your tax refund, there's more um, important getting it back. or What's more important, getting it back or proving you didn't get a letter, she said. And Patterson had been temporarily renting a room in Portland with her daughter when the bad news from the government arrived. Without more than $3,000 cash infusion, she said she can't afford to continue to stay there. They had to leave. We had to leave, and we had nowhere to live. 
They're currently staying at a friend of a friend's apartment for free until the end of the month, but she said her daughter hasn't been able to attend school for many days after what they've gone through. She's traumatized. The government doesn't always appreciate the significant role tax refunds and credits play for financially vulnerable Americans, you said. In conversations I've had with uh, officials at the Department of Education, they view these tax refunds as bonus money. And that's how people should view them, but they don't. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's in in any cases, it's your money uh, that you're getting back. In some cases, it's sort of a bonus that you get uh, for type filing returns, but whatever. It's really tough. Tax credits and refunds are now low-income folks' vital funds for survival, according to them. So if you've got any thoughts on the government taking people's tax refunds, love to hear them. 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE is in freedom. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. We were just talking, we were talking about an article here from uh, CNBC about apparently the government's coming and taking people's tax returns to pay off student loans, and that number is getting higher and higher. Just commenting on how student loans have basically become a form of, you know, tax serfdom, and it's, it's enslaving a generation, as far as I'm concerned. Mark, with you and Angie. The number is 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. If you have anything to say about, well, the government taking people's money in general or student loans and college in general, certainly welcome to do that. If you go to amp.freetalklive.com, you can amp Free Talk Live where you will hear, well, you will uh, you will have the opportunity to help us spread the message that we uniquely spread the idea of freedom and, well, I guess to some extent, keeping uh, kids from signing up uh, for huge loans at college. If you know what you want to do, I think college is a good idea, but they don't want that from you. They just want to send you off to college when you don't know nothing. Yep. And that sounds like community college, if anything, to me. That sounds like an opportunity to take a bye year and go get a job. Yeah, but I mean, at 18 years old, do you really know what you want to do for the rest of your life? Some people do, but not very many. What have you experienced? Not much. <laughs> not much at all. But you can do as uh, Farmer Garrick Harvest and Blooms Farm can uh, has done and sign up for the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com and help us spread the word. That's Thank you, Farmer Garrick. Uh, amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Greg calling in from New York. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I was thinking about the of alternatives. Um, we talk about how we want to eliminate government, how we want to disrupt government. But I feel like a lot of the time it's like talking to people to give up meat uh, yeah. and become vegetarians. You know? Well, for me, it's, and it's I wouldn't use the term government. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to give up government because i think humans need it but it's the form the government's taken for nine thousand years that bothers me (laughs) and i agree with you once that word is uttered that it kind of screws things up it's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons i like to point out that government isn't a thing it's just a group of people and people are fallible and a a mess but please Mm -hmm. go on exactly no but just that institution i feel like it encompasses so many things that we've slowly been making alternatives to it. And just like the Impossible Burger, 
Uh, once the alternative exists, right, with those, I think there's a few companies making those vegetable-based burgers. Oh, yeah. Um, suddenly, you know, people switch over. It's like if the burger's good enough, if the alternative's good enough, then suddenly people do become vegetarian if they can have the same experience with the vegetable burger. Yeah, I'd be willing to try so, it. I haven't tried one yet, but I'd be willing to try it. Yeah, I, th- I actually tried it. I-, I went to Fridays and I had one and it was pretty good. It was okay. Okay. It's, it's not It's not exactly the real thing yet. Uh, you know, it's my goal to become a vegetarian eventually, but it's that's worth a try. Just an but, example. Yeah. Yeah, so my point is, and a good example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the point. The point is that um, besides telling people that they should move away from government, I think there should be real alternatives. So, for example, the post office was a government uh, agency, and Lysander Spooner was really upset about it. Uh, but then people invented email, and now hardly anybody uses the post office right. uh, for most things. Right? I had a I had a so, friend, uh, a next door neighbor, um, who who um, near my house, who took down my address so that he could send me a letter if he needed to. He's eighty two. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, be, I mean, in the past, I think we needed government and public works, like for example, the Roman aqueducts and the public bathhouses, you know, to bring water to the public bathhouse because it wasn't we didn't have enough science and technology and resources to make everybody have their own water come to their own house, you know? Right. But today we do. So I think gradually I I'm a believer that technology will simply displace a lot of government functions and, you know, and it's not just the state, also Facebook and Google and these other big corporations that have built their own big, uh, you know, social networks like Facebook just got fined five billion dollars. It's probably going to be fined. Yeah, it's going to brush that off like nothing. What'd they get fined for? Yeah. Oh, you know the usual things like stealing people's uh, uh, contacts from their email after promising not to. Okay. And other things like that. Yeah. So my point is though that people will continue to use these things, and they will continue to use the state's services until there are alternatives that are good enough with open source software or some kind of technology like a desktop printer or a 3D printer for guns or I don't know, whatever. They'll, they'll use that um, until there's a better alternative. And I think people need to build the better alternative like they did with Bitcoin. Um, and that, that is the only way that people will ever switch over. To, right. Uh, you know, complaining is only worth so much. It lets people know, uh, to some extent, what they want. It, it helps people determine what they want. But complaining doesn't build anything. Sooner or later, somebody needs to build something. Because the government exactly. isn't, you know, exactly. governments just don't hand out freedom. That's not their business model. They do the opposite. Exactly right. So what are these uh, alternatives to these uh, centralized social networks that you're talking about? I mean, what uh, um, I mean, are you thinking specifically about, uh, you know, Facebook and, and Google? And we're looking at uh, creating you're looking at creating things that are different than this. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm working on, on some things myself. I know you've been working um, on I, stuff I, like I, that. You've talked yeah. about you've teased it throughout the years. And I'm in, right. <laughs> interested in finding out more about this stuff as uh, as time goes by. Um, do you have a product that's rolled out? Uh, yes, uh, we do. 
Uh, it's called the uh, Cubix platform. Uh, it's my company's uh, platform. It's sort of like WordPress for blogs, except instead of blogs, you could have your own apps and your own uh, websites. So uh, the idea is, again, that if you just make a website, no one's really going to use it for social networking. You really need to make something that's good enough that competes with Facebook and Google uh, in order to be able to be independent of those platforms. So, yeah, well, there's a lot of work. Uh, something of there's a lot of work in getting something like this to be good enough because, you know, if Google and Facebook, these people have huge teams of engineers just working on one little aspect of what it is that they do. And they're very user friendly. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, anyone can use it. Your 82 year old neighbor could probably find and probably has a probably yep. has a Facebook account so they can go on and see yep. his uh, probably 60 year old son and daughters, uh, you know, kids, pictures of their kids and stuff. You know, they want to see the whole thing. And mm-hmm. that's really you know, what families use it for. And it's really good for that. Yep. Uh, a lot of people use it as platforms to discuss their political ideas. I think it's terrible for that. Uh, I think it's just or a to way to promote personal businesses. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I mean, so just you're absolutely right. Problems. It took it took me seven years um, from the moment I started this, it, you know, until now. I've been working on it. I think I finally got it, and with with a team. I'm not doing this by myself, but of course, I don't have any of the resources of Facebook. So, you know, but at the end of the day. If you look at WordPress, um, it powers 30% of all websites in the world. And who is not powering them is blogger.com and all these centralized uh, platforms that could have powered them if WordPress didn't exist. So once it gets good enough, I think people start adding all kinds of plugins. And the other thing is with open source, you could have an ecosystem of tons of WordPress plugins. So a small team could build the core thing and then you get this ecosystem of like thousands of people each contributing just a small bug fix or a small thing and i think that's really collaboration is really a powerful uh way to build this kind of stuff greg thanks for the call appreciate it um what was the the name of it so people can go check it out oh it's uh cubix.com q-b-i-x four letters thank you dot com appreciate it greg cubix.com absolutely 855-450-3733-855-450 free as in freedom going on with this article from cnbc uh there's they've got other stories here this uh akalia mccandy a single mother of three in st louis learned earlier this year that her tax refund would be seized by the government for her student loans thanks to her child and earned income tax credits she was expecting more than eight thousand dollars with that money she planned to pay off her car replace her children's old mattresses and send them to summer camp I definitely needed it," said uh, McCandy, uh, 32. She was around. Uh, she has around eighteen thousand dollars in student loans. Not even that much. No. She reached out to Stanley Tate, a student loan uh, loan lawyer, for help. Tate explained that she was unlikely to get the government to return her refund, since she was not at risk of foreclosure or eviction. Desperate to get a refund, McCandy filed for bankruptcy since the process temporarily suspends Treasury Department offsets. She received her refund after a month. It felt good, she said, although she's aware of the consequences. When you file bankruptcy, it's on your credit for seven years. It, it's tough. Uh, this whole situation's tough. They tell you you need, a, you need this education, and then they come after you. Free Talk Live. 
Would you like to hang out with Penn Gillette? He's keynoting Freedom Fest this year. I, for one, am thrilled. Freedom Fest is the largest liberty-oriented gathering in the world. They take a Big Ten approach with libertarians, conservatives, liberals, anarchists, capitalists, and just open-minded people mingling together to hear real debates, share real solutions, and converse freely. This year's theme is the Wild West, a time of liberty and opportunity, or a time of anarchy and violence. Maybe both. Go to freedomfest.com FTL and get your tickets now. Now, freedomfest.com slash FTL. Not convinced yet? Hey, I understand. It's a high-end event. Even with coupon code FTL50. Sure, you're likely to receive investment advice that'll make that sum seem paltry. But I have something special for you. Go to freedomfest.com slash FTL and you'll get the five best speeches from last year for free. Call it a test drive. Do yourself a favor and go to freedomfest.com slash FTL. Freedomfest.com slash FTL. Use coupon code FTL50 for a discount. Talk Live, and you are free to call in and talk live here on the airwaves. That's what we do on Free Talk Live. We try to make it easy for you to get your message out. It's Mark with you. And Angie. Angie, you brought in a piece of show prep that I was uh, interested in. Apparently, uh, there's a police department, and this police department happens to be in the free state of New Hampshire. It does. That is... uh, Well, they got a drone program. Now, these things have been going on around the United States, and I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. Civilians are using drones for all kinds of things, and now police are using them too. So what's the story? Where's it from? It is from CBS in Boston. Okay. It says New Hampshire Police Department launching drone program. Um, The Portsmouth Police Department is launching a drone program. Lieutenant Christian Cummings told the police commission on Tuesday that a drone provides an eye in the sky where we wouldn't normally have one. That can be useful in, say, crowd control circumstances. Maybe if there's, I don't know, if they happen to be somewhere near a bank robbery. But it's in Portsmouth. How dangerous can it be there? There's not a lot of crowd control situations in Portsmouth, no. But they they want them anyway. And they've got a huge tax base in Portsmouth, so they have to. The cops have to have things to spend their money on. Oh, they have lots of money. Yeah, and I'll bet you these drones aren't the three hundred dollar jobbies that you all get at the uh, uh, that the 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 the, the, the store there, the uh, toy store or whatever, no, the hobby shop. Not even close. No. The article says that the reports that Cummings detective Eric Windstorm and Officer James Nury said the program will start with $69,638 of Homeland Security grant. That's a good chunk of change. All right. Of course, this is what they love. They love themselves a good uh, uh, a good grant, and they have grant writers to do these things. Says Cummings said the team plans to purchase a drone with two cameras, one for surveillance and another with infrared technology for searches. Cummings said the drones will help members of the Seacoast Emergency Response Team deployed to high-risk emergencies. He said drones can also be used in searches to map crime scenes. Okay, I suppose all of those things make a certain amount of sense. I I imagine, as you said, that 
Portsmouth probably there's probably not a lot of crime, big crimes that are going sort of unsolved that drones are going to fix. How many how many solutions per year uh, do, do we expect to get out of this? And I would say the answer is very very few vanishingly few yeah but for seventy thousand, what kind of drone are they going to purchase for that much money do they need that much money it's going to be a a really nice drone (laughs) and this is how it goes right like the the police needed cameras on their chests now and what's it cost to get a camera you can go get uh you know for a hundred bucks you can get a pair of glasses that'll you know have uh have a cam on it and a microphone yeah you think of that as the price tag no each one of these outfits is five figures for these guys. For each officer? Oh, yeah. And that's because it has to broadcast or whatever. But then they turn them off and you don't even get the feed from them. Well, they have to have privacy. Of course, because you don't want to know what they're doing. Right. So some of them actually uh, will broadcast uh, 30 seconds before and 30 seconds after they turned off or something. That's how they caught one cop, which was kind of uh, an interesting story. He was planting drugs on on a scene and whoops, got him. Now, do the cops know that they do? I guess they do now, that they know that they broadcast 30 seconds before and after? I think that he knew he just forgot. Oh, thing. he didn't He didn't watch his, his watch and count down the 30 seconds. Oh, it's time. Right. He just didn't pay attention. He thought he turned it off and whatever. Yep. He didn't think it was going to be seen. And, um, you know, anyway, it just happens that way. So, um, I, I, I look, That's really all it says. Yeah. So what are, lay, uh, lay them on me again. What are these uh, lists of things that they're hoping to accomplish? They're uh, hoping to help with searches and for infrared technology. Right. So if a kid's lost in the woods. They're going to look for him. Maybe. Especially if it has infrared, then it gets a lot easier to find them. Then you get a huddled little 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 thing there, you know, chase off the badgers and the foxes, and pretty soon you find the kid. And <laughs> that, it could be useful for that. I mean, I can imagine that the community and even and especially the parents are going to be pretty grateful for that stuff being on site. Doesn't really sound like a cop thing. Sounds like a firefighter thing. But regardless. Are missing children a huge thing in Portsmouth? I Pretty safe area, right? In New Hampshire, th- kids will wander off. Okay. But Portsmouth isn't one of those places. There's not a lot of woods in Portsmouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a metro. But they probably could loan it to one of the surrounding towns that has uh, more of that. So, all right. So, searches. Infrared searches. I got gotcha. you. That's all it said. It said for infrared searches and surveillance. Okay, surveillance. Yeah, I suppose they could be. And they're going to watch their citizens closer? Yeah, they're going to do that. Uh, that's no doubt, right? They've got some kind of uh, drug bust situation that they're hoping to do. They're watching a house. You know, they're going to send the drone up to to keep an eye. It's going to be kind of quiet up there, and it can look and see who's going in and out the back door. The eye in the sky. Right. It's going to be all that. So it's very big brother in that way. No doubt about it. And up. Uh, oh. Jay joining us here. Uh, thanks for Hi, thanks Jay. for joining us, Jay. Hello. And we're talking about a uh, apparently Portsmouth, New Hampshire, has decided that it, in order to better serve its customers, its citizens, it is now employing a force of drones that aren't cheap. Angie, what do they cost? They got a grant from the Homeland Security for seventy thousand dollars. Seventy grand, so probably one would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm sure the. Uh, the the government approved contractor that is supplying said drone, you know, um, contributes handsomely to the ports, local Portsmouth uh, parasites. I mean bureaucrats. One, it would be difficult to know who or why, but I mean, I think this is just another toy for them. Absolutely. But 
this has got an infrared camera on it. I don't have any idea what it would be like. It's, this isn't some $300 drone you get at the, the hobbyist store, but and, and it, it looks very hefty, the picture of it that I'm looking at here, because it's able to lift quite a sizable camera um, with it, so it looks pretty... Maybe my brother will call in bulky. and explain this to us. He uh, he lives and breathes for uh, drones now. He, he races them, right? He's a professional drone racer. He's been going to Ohio and professional. Florida. And, yeah, yeah, literally, he's... Like on ESPN, like stuff. He's he's one of the top guys. Do they? Um, does he make enough money doing it to live? No. Okay. That that's why I'm air quoting. Yeah. Well, I don't think really anybody is yet. No, I can't. He's uh, definitely has sponsors. He gets his plane tickets paid for. He's getting hotels paid paid yeah. for. He he hasn't got you know the plane tickets paid for to fly his wife and kids out with him, and you know accommodations for his wife and kids to go to like Florida and Hawaii and. Yep. You know places, but uh, and he actually does one of the biggest drone meets in the Northeast in uh, Steventown, New York, um, every year. Uh, him and a couple of his, uh, you know, our, our family refers to him, him and his uh, his uh, drone nerd friends. Drone nerd they friends. Uh, they got this uh, huge thing where it's actually they've been selling out of tickets every year, and they've been expanding it as much as they you know financially can, can because that's a you know if he had a fifty thousand dollars to throw at it, he could. You know, invite a lot more people, but you know these guys are just taking their own pocket cash and literally, you know, putting it into putting on a, a festival for drone and they have drone racing competitions and they have vendors and they get food trucks there and you know it's kind of like you know pork fest for you know or fork fest for, for people, drone nerds for drone nerds <laughs> yeah. yeah or you know so yeah they, they, they those guys tell you all about this stuff. I'm amazed at how these things can they you know they have the races with them and they they fly in and uh, out of barricades. So you know, like um, horse pasture fencing. Yeah. You have yeah. six-inch tall rails, and between the rails you have... 18 like, inches, maybe? No, about about 10 inches are rails at, at the okay. barn we grew up on. All right. And so, you know, you have about, you know, almost three feet worth of actual, you know, fencing. But, you know, the first one is, you know, 22 or 30 inches off the ground, and there's 10-inch spacings between them. Uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, he was flying drones through those, you know, at like 45, 50 miles an hour, you know, just by looking through his goggles and off the GoPro camera off the front of them and he trashed a lot of dr- drones that know. was my next question oh, how yeah. many did he go through they destroyed them but they, these things are all made out of styrofoam and like the wings cost like you know four dollars a side the center sections are like what's expensive is the motors yeah and the controllers uh the props are they're, they're destroying props all the time you know you clip a tree or and you clip um the guy you're racing against yeah i imagine they get rather close but we this drone can be taken down there's technology to take these take any drone down what what's that technology like uh you just jam the signal to huh. them 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE. There's probably going to be cop drones falling out of the sky uh, once people figure that out. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, as in freedom. Yeah! Free Talk Live. You're welcome to call in and talk about whatever you want. We were just talking about a... Uh, well, a uh, police department in New Hampshire apparently getting a drone, and I guess this isn't particularly new news. Lots of police departments are getting these things. One wonders what they're going to use them for. Concord has one. Uh, last year they had it out at the 420 thing, and we thought it was a private drone. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had sent some pictures to my brother, and there's actually a um, uh, an FCC number on them. Oh, yeah. That you're... Technically, if you're engaging in commercial activity, 
it says, like you're using them for hires. And you have to, to have the FCC license. Register them and all that stuff. Right. And, and he said it came back to um, uh, man, man, uh, Concord. PD? Uh, actually, no, it was uh, the county. Okay. It was owned by the county. So yeah, he, he told you. me it was a cop one. That's what he said. Yeah. Well, speaking of your brother and drones, he's going to be running a drone class of some sort at ForkFest this year. ForkFest is a camping festival that we're going to be at, and have, it's going to be a lot of fun. June 13th through the 18th in the White Mountains of New Hampshire at Rogers Campground, where it's been up, up to this point. And there's other another camping festival there uh, that should be pretty exciting. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to see you out there. Just go to the website, ForkFest.party. June 13th through the 18th in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, ForkFest.Party. Tell us about what uh, this this event that your brother's uh, having. Well, so uh, I told him, I says, hey, I'm doing this man camp thing, and we're teaching people stuff, and we're teaching you know people like real-life working skills. And you know, and, and a lot of the regular listeners are already familiar with my man camp uh, stuff that I'm working on. And so I was, when I was actually talking to Josh today, and I was like, "Hey, you gonna bring some drones up to, uh, you know, up to Rogers Campground this year for, uh, you know, Fork Fest and Pork Fest?" He's like, "He's like, yeah, yeah, I am." And I says, "Well, you really like people are always asking about drones, and people are always talking to you about drones. So why don't you do an explanation on drones? Why don't you do a uh, a demonstration? Why don't you tell the people about the technology? Why don't you educate people on them and tell them like, you know, he's like, "Oh, I'm not letting anybody fly any of my drones unless." They've done the, um, the class. The, well, n- not not the class. Okay. I mean, you don't just you know t- get get be, uh, sort of the flight simulator. You hook an actual okay actual uh, one of these remote controls that you control your drone with, and you basically hook it into your computer, and then you fly a simulator, and it simulates you know a bunch of things. And basically, as far as Josh is concerned, if you can fly whichever simulator he likes, I don't know. There's all you know. There's a whole different, a whole bunch of them. But if you can fly a certain simulation, he'll let you fly his drone. So, like, for example, like, you know, guys like, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that have been going to this festival for years to fly drones and understand them. Uh, he'll let, you know, and, and he, and those guys kind of get together and chat and talk about them and stuff. So he, he's going to kind of have like maybe a, an educational roundtable discussion that's looking like we haven't got all the details, but it's, it's going to be part of, uh, it's going to be part of the festivities up there. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, yes. So, uh, you know how uh, it's daylight savings time is one of the things that we talk about. It's mm-hmm. always coming up in the news. And I right. feel like there's this momentum for doing away with daylight savings time coming up. Free Talk Live has been talking about it for railing at the government for their control of time. But, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll admit there are some advantages to daylight savings time, but the disadvantages seem to outweigh it. And it looks like. Idaho. So I I always look for daylight savings news. I don't know why, but it interests me. I'd love to see it gotten rid of. And I like calling it daylight shifting time. It's yeah. it just really makes more sense. Every time Daryl says that, I'm like, that's just like perfect. You yeah, know? shifting time is better. Going here from Boise at the IdahoPress.com. I don't even think they have an author. They don't have a byline on this one. It's amazing. Oh yeah, Savannah Cardon. Um, and then it gives a email address. It says, uh, changing clocks twice a year to account for daylight savings, daylight shifting, poses health risks among other problems for Idahoans. And everybody else, 
said Rep. Uh, Christy Zito, whose bill to eliminate daylight saving time uh, statewide advanced in the House on Tuesday. After no debate in the Senate State Affairs Committee, Zito's bill was sent to the House floor with a do-pass recommendation. It would exempt Idaho from daylight shifting time saving uh, changes, leaving the entire state in standard time year-round. Representative Book Green, Democrat Boise, cast the one vote against the change. With daylight shifting, Idahoans move their clocks forward in one hour from March to November. Every time the time changes, it causes issues with businesses, crime increase, farmers and ranchers supposedly have to shift their schedules, Zito said. Zito, by the way, is a Republican from Hammett, wherever that is. The periodic time change can lead to seasonal affective disorder and depression, she said, creating problems for people who are pregnant or suffer from cluster headaches. My biggest urgent uh, argument in favor of it is is there are health issues, says Zito. By the way, it's also difficult on kids going to school and stuff like that. It's, It's hard. And they do see heart attacks go up surrounding daylight savings time so even time even lrn.fm feed is uh affected by it because hernie hancock starts his show at 6 a.m uh in phoenix and arizona doesn't doesn't participate doesn't shift yeah it doesn't shift so the lrn feed you know so the ernie show ernie show you know during the winter time starts at 8 a.m and then eastern eastern and you know now it's at 9 a.m eastern unless things have changed but um, that's, you know, I remember when I was out in Colorado all the time, you know, I'd be like, Oh, how come Ernie's show's not on? You know, cause it, you know, I'd listen right. to it every morning out there while I was working and confused as to the time it starts. And it, yeah, it is confusing. Another thing is that people write EST, right? Like just to tell you what the time, mm-hmm. uh, time zone yeah. is. Well, f- most people don't know when they're in standard time and when they're in daylight time. So, I just say Eastern. I just write out the term Eastern rather than saying, um, you know, what t- trying to explain to be people what EDT means, uh, Eastern Daylight Time. And the Eastern Time Zone spends more time in the Atlantic Time Zone, one one time zone <laughs> shifted ahead, than it does in its own. Daylight save, shifting time shifts you one time zone forward effectively. So... Your eastern eastern time zone spends you know the states in eastern time zone spend more time in the Atlantic time zone than they do in the eastern time zone. But everybody just calls it eastern because well, New York and, and Washington are here. It's 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 a confusing mess. I remember screwing around with a uh, GPS I had years ago, and the GPS you had to set it for either Eastern Standard Time or day or Eastern Daylight Standard Time or a, Atlantic something or whatever. And I can I can remember like driving back and forth. Colorado to, to New England for years. That GPS was like it never just gets a time like it was always like an hour ahead. You know, yeah, it was just it, never it, had the time. And it was just like to and I'm like, well, what what the hell is the difference? And you know, I just never really cared to put enough thought into it or effort into it to like really mess around with it. But I remember it was always just a little annoying. What's the actual reason for daylight savings time? Well, they'll, you'll get a variety of them, and at this point, none of them are true. Okay, so I can tell you what the farmers all say. Well, they say it's about harvest, but never was. No, no. The, the farmers I dealt with say it's so rich city folk can get a little extra hour of golf time. Uh, that's what they say it's for. So in the morning? I don't know. Just that's what they want, an extra hour of golf. Yeah. So is it supposed to get dark later or earlier? Which which one's right? Um, it gets dark. Which I one would be standard? It. I always get so confused. Let me look it up for you. Okay. <laughs> it's to confuse us. 855-450-3733. 
855-450. Free as in freedom here on Free Talk Live. want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark warden looking for a great real estate investment consider new hampshire which is ground zero for the liberty movement your first call should be to mark warden from porcupine real estate he's more than just a real estate agent he's your new hampshire concierge where are the best places to live do you want farms city the burbs or forest do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live. If it's between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and I don't care if it's daylight or savings. Whatever Eastern time is, wherever it is, I don't think there's any states in the United States that choose not to participate in Eastern daylight shifting time. So it's safe to say anytime it's Eastern time. I don't know about the Canadian provinces or the, uh, you know, the, the, the Caribbean states or anything like that. So you'll have to figure that out on your own. But 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time, you can call us and we'll be on the air. doesn't matter if it's, well, it was Easter recently and we were doing a show. So, you know, we'll be here. The number, 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE. It is Mark with you. Jay. And Angie. Freedomsphoenix.com is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site, meaning they collect news stories. And if you want the newest and freshest uh, stories and a perspective on current events from those who value liberty, Freedomsphoenix.com has it. Their daily dispatch, which I get, and actually it comes in sometimes twice a day because, well, they want to make sure you get all the good stories. It's the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, Government overspending and the rise of the police state. Uh, speaking of science news, they they found out where the people who built Stonehenge came from and how they got there. Uh, so you're not going to find that news on too many news aggregation sites out there. I find that stuff to be fascinating. It's all at freedoms with an s phoenix.com. It's run by nerdy folks as nerdy as I am. Freedoms. Phoenix.com. I recommend them highly. If I could throw out a little more about uh, the Freedoms uh, Phoenix uh, aggregate there. So this morning on uh, on Ernie's uh, Declare Your Independence show, they were talking about housing. That's the guy who runs Ernest yeah. Hancock. Ernest Hancock. And he does a morning show that broadcasts on LRN from uh, you know 9 to 12 Eastern Time. LRN.FM. Yes. And uh, so I listen to pretty much every day. But uh, this morning they were talking about housing. And the, the guest that was on says, oh, have you seen the headlines lately about, you know, uh, the McMansion prices are going down in this place, California, and this mm-hmm. place here. And and the, the default in the um, car loans is at X amount of month money. And the default in the student loans is $1.6 trillion. The default in home loans in California and home loans in uh, this place and that place. And they were just, you know, rambling about those. And Ernie goes, oh, why don't you uh, just put in housing? In, in the search on Freedoms Phoenix, 
and see what pops up. So because it's news articles, so what all these new news articles when you go into housing and the search, it, it it has all the housing ones and it chronically goes back. So they started going back, and so there's a whole bunch of recent ones in there. And then it, there's a couple from you know little things here and there, and then you get back to 2008, and bam, all the same articles about basically the same stuff that's coming out in in uh, media today is is a whole 2008 2007 cycle. And they, and they were going through them this morning. It was it was pretty interesting when I was listening to it. They were going through all the headlines from 2007 and 2008, and the guy I forget the guy he had on this morning. Uh, but they're oh yeah you know and there's these other ones in New York Times this and it, and he's like what's the New York Times just running this reprinting the same articles from a decade ago and it's basically was really the only difference in the article there are some similarities in real estate news uh, right now as there were in say the end of 2005 beginning of 2006 I don't know that everything in the marketplace looks the same but I'm not recommending that people buy necessarily so let's yeah, talk it, about let's hot. talk about real estate for a second i think this is worth talking about we ne- almost never touch on it here on free talk live libertarians like to own their land mm-hmm. people like to own their land americans have been sold this bill of goods on owning our land and i'm not saying there aren't advantages if you have a giant dog like you angie <laughs> it might be a good idea to own your own property because landlords hate but they don't mind her because she's not an aggressive breed. Okay. The, it, different landlords feel yeah. differently. But, you know, if you want to have your own garden, if you want mm-hmm. to have a big dog, there's some reasons to own your own home. Yeah. But if you do the math, most of the time, owning your own home doesn't make sense financially until you've been in it for seven years. And most Americans move about every seven years. So... More or less, just as it's beginning to make some sense, you lose out. Mm -hmm. And if you can find a good renting situation, now when you're renting, you're at people's, uh, you know, beck and call to some extent. If they if they decide they're going to sell the house, then then what are you going to move? You got to move. It's time to time to pick up. Yeah, right. Hopefully you get 60 if their contract is is put put up that way. But more or less, that's how that goes. Mm -hmm. You're you're at their um, pleasure as opposed to your own. And so I, 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 my opinion has shifted over time on this, this topic. I used to be a big advocate of home, home ownership, and I don't think I am anymore. I think that in many cases it makes sense to leave all the little things that break to somebody else. It certainly fix. does for certain people. Yeah. There are people, like, for example, the, the home I bought, uh, there, a lot of people looked at it and are like, wow, I wouldn't even take this on. They're just not even interested. A lot of repairs. Yeah, a lot of repairs. A lot of places that hasn't been maintained in a while. So presumably you got it at a pretty good price. I did. I got it for a good price. Um, and that That's one person that can really benefit is a person who is willing and able and to do a lot of repairs on their own and can put sweat equity into the house. Oftentimes you still won't be compensated at your normal rate, but nonetheless it can work for you. Yeah, like my buddy's a roofing contractor. Yeah. And I was telling him all about the property. And when I was buying it, and I go, "What would you do for an estimate?" He goes, "It would be at least a hundred grand." And he goes, "And he goes, I, and honestly, he says I would probably say like one fifty, just so I wouldn't get the job." And he goes, right. "I get because there's just he goes, there's a lot of good low hanging fruit out there in the roofing business. No need yep. to. It's just like the auto body guys want to work on collisions. They don't want to work on rust. You know, for example, my place was like a rust case. If it was yeah, it's just in, hard to in, do in the car world. But you were talking about renting. Uh, 
Uh, Max Kaiser's show I listen to quite a bit. Okay. And he was an early adopter in cryptocurrency. Yep. Yeah, he's all, he's always talking about crypto. And, and uh, Blackwater Property Management uh, is the world one of the world's largest owner of rentals. Okay. So he's talking about how Blackwater gets all this free money from the ECB, your European Central Bank, zero or point zero zero one percent interest money, and then they go when there's uh, housing meltdowns. Uh, and, and and they go buy up all these apartments. So, like, for example, they own in Dublin, Ireland, they, they are the largest owner of uh, apartments. They own 3,000 uh, units in Dublin. Pretty impressive. Uh, they are the largest owner of, of uh, 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 rentals in uh, everywhere in Europe, almost all the major cities. And what they've done is... It's smart, right? Like, you wait until the housing market crashes, and then you go in, you get it at pennies on the dollar, or, you know, dimes on the dollar at the very least. Right. And you then, uh, when the market comes back, and it always does, because people still need to live places, then you're you're in pretty good shape. And it's a private equity firm, essentially, is what they are. It's just a part... And, and they get this money from European Central Bank, for example... At nothing, and like the average guy, the average European or, or Irish guy or Scotland Scottish guy, he can't get an interest rate to go buy a dozen apartment buildings no. or a dozen units for you know point zero zero something percent. And these major private equity firms do, and they literally buy up major city blocks. And as Max Kaiser puts it, that you know the banks help destroy these neighborhoods. They were talking about how in two thousand eight, in here in the United States, all the um. A lot of the African American uh, neighborhoods, you know, around the major cities got decimated, and their property values went down. And a lot of these big acquisitions, a lot of these private equity firms just went and bought up everything and just jacked the rent right up. And this is what they're—they're they're actually suing the um, United Nations or the World Trade Organization or one of those uh, organizations they were talking about has actually saying that Blackwater, uh, the property management company, is literally a predator. Uh, they're 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 very aggressive about evictions and they're just jacking the rates up because they own they monopol they have monopolized a rental marketplace because they own so much of it and there's a, all, all these other companies own big blocks of it too there's very few like mom and pop rental operations I guess in let's Europe. talk about evictions because as a landlord at times I guess I I think I, think I could safely call myself a landlord I have one uh, unit um, and I, I you know. I've had this situation that I've had to deal with. 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE. Is it predatory to, to kick people out of uh, their houses? Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Call in and talk about whatever you want, but we're talking about sort of renting versus buying and uh, sort of some of the ethics of being a landlord, that kind of thing. You're welcome to call in and talk about that. The number is 855-450-3733. You're welcome to call in and talk about whatever you want. That's what we do on Free Talk Live. Looks like we got somebody on the uh, call-in lines, too. On uh, If you go to discord.freetalklive.com, you can download the app and sound great. want to tell you about the AMP program. If you go to amp.freetalklive.com, you can support our unique form of programming here on Free Talk Live. There's nothing like us. On the air. Nobody's going to, you can't just call in, talk about whatever you want on national radio, but you can on Free Talk Live. We also. Uh, Sarah will attest to that. She gets kicked off of shows. (laughs) She does. (laughs) Local shows. She can get on Free Talk Live. Um, 
You can uh, do it like Venkman has, who's a platinum amplifier. Uh, we just ask people to give $5 a month at the AMP program, but Venkman has gone much, much deeper in at $25 a month to become uh, a platinum amplifier. Do all that at amp.freetalklive.com. That's A-M-P, amp.freetalklive.com. Jay, before we go into this whole rental yeah. thing, I want to take Wikawea on the Discord lines. Wikawea, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Oh, hi there. Um, yeah, I just wanted to just chip in about this um, landlord sort of stuff that we were talking about Um I think uh, is it is it Jay? Uh, I think you were mentioning like how in Ireland they kind of they monopolized the market and and they got they got some special low interest rates. Is that what you were saying? Yes, and also and this is a report by uh, on the uh, Max Kaiser show and and they had also uh-huh. talked about how these uh, large private equity firms who have bought up all the most of the uh, apartment housing is also getting a uh, tremendous uh, property tax breaks. Like they're getting their um, they're able to. Uh, make deals with the tax assessors and whatnot and get their property valued really low. So it was very low taxes is also what they had. We're talking about. And basically the, uh, you know, the mom and pop renters, you know, landlords really can't even compete with these guys because their overhead's so high. Yeah. It's a very, very similar story in the UK where I live. Um, uh, like I, I've, I've spoken to lots of small type landlords who are totally squeezed out by regulations now you know there's millions of little health and safety checks that they have to pay for uh, environmental sort of energy efficiency stuff that they have to pay for um, and also the big the big property developers the massive companies are um, kind of benefiting through the planning permission system which a lot of people suspect is corrupt um and yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a total disaster. It's just like one of the other kind of ways, like one of the few sort of last remaining ways to make money kind of fairly without using the state to cheat. And that's kind of being eroded away. I yeah, think. it used to be one of the one of the ways that uh, couples would retire is, is they'd they'd take your, their retirement. They'd move to someplace warm and they'd buy themselves you know a duplex a fourplex or something like that and they'd rent it you know they'd have their own spot and they'd rent out the rest i don't know what terminology you guys use over there uh wikawea but probably uh you know four flat or something some terminology like that and Uh they would um you know they'd they'd rent to people they'd take care of the property but more or less that was their work Mm -hmm. and they you know more they probably didn't spend that much time on it when you aggregate the whole month out, you know, obviously you got to be there for when the water springs a leak or something like that. And that used to be a system. But uh, it sounds like if these big companies are getting in and finding systems for cutting overhead, specifically regulation and taxes, then, well, that's it. It just shows one of the ways, one of the many ways well, that the state is employed to, uh, you know, profit the rich and well-connected. It's the same thing that's happened in the poultry industry. We're literally uh, Purdue Corporation uh, out of you know Georgia uh, had introduced and, and lobbied all the, um, the legislature in the United States for all this heavy poultry regulation. And all these other heavy-duty slaughterhouse regulations having to do with, you know, all kinds of other food processing. Because my uh, my father and my in 1960-something, when they moved to uh, Palmer, Massachusetts, there was literally 20 different butcheries uh, in the villages of Palmer. 
and it, you could, you know, you could literally take, you know, your chickens, drop them off to the uh, the Polish butcher, then the Italian butcher, the um, you know, the Irish butcher, and get three different types of, you know, or or your pork or whatever or your the preference cow, was, whatever you yeah. wanted. There were there was. And there was, you know, several to choose from, and it was literally the regulation that killed that that came right, was written by Purdue. And now we know that pretty much, you know, all the poultry consumed in this country or produced in this country is all produced on these, you know, mega, mega, there are millions of chickens they're raising at a time. And actually, in this Max Kaiser report, 1374. Let me get a comment here from Wikiwea first. Um, on what he was just saying, no, I mean that's that's interesting. I um, I wasn't aware of that. I I, don't, I wouldn't know how to compare it to the UK because I don't know about the poultry. So how do these stuff. boards um, make it more make it easier for big businesses to buy houses and rent them? Because renting and buying houses, they still need people to do it. This these people are just employees, and employees now with salaries and pensions and uh, you know benefits and all that other stuff. It would seem like it would be difficult for a big company to compete in the area of real estate. But if they're managing to duck regulations, how are they doing that? Well, I don't know how precisely, but uh, I, I presume it's largely to do with being politically uh, politically connected. Uh, there was on it, uh, on it um, in the UK about uh, how a lot of the new, like a lot of these um, buildings are sort of brand new buildings being built right now, and a lot of them don't meet um, sort of the minimum standards and things. And okay, you might not be in favor of these regulations existing, but the fact is the little guys wouldn't get away with uh, not following them. Right. I don't know exactly how. I don't know the mechanics of it, but I know I how it happens. Because it happens here in this country too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you just you 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 just you know make it comfortable for the building inspector. If you're a land developer, there was a land developer in Palmer, Massachusetts, and he developed a bunch of land, um, built a bunch of houses, lots of issues. Wikiwia, thanks for the call. And the uh, former uh, building inspector, uh, Roulette's his name, ended up retiring because a lot of pressure started coming on. And these houses that he approved, you know, a decade ago, started literally sinking, having all kinds of issues because they, like, there's several developments that have all this issue. And they just literally, the guy signed off on all these things, which, you know, upon further inspection, didn't happen. (laughs) Right. You know, and everybody knew that the developer and the uh, in town that they were drinking buddies that they were pals and i see you know the so one of the things that i find sort of very interesting about all this stuff is is that people say without these building inspectors and without the government being involved and people would make would do shoddy work and you know the standards wouldn't be met and whatever right well what evidence do you have that that's occurring now because monopolies tend to towards poor customer service and poor accountability well the building inspector is a monopoly it's not like somebody goes in there and says uh, we the building inspecting company put our name behind this we're licensed and bonded and if this doesn't meet the standards that we say it meets then you can sue us yeah nobody i don't know that of anybody who's ever sued a municipality because the standards weren't met on uh, whatever their their house is they did in palmer Okay. And guess what? What happened? They the same thing that happened when I sued them. They said, "Oh, we have uh, immunity. sovereign immunity. Yeah. We have sovereign immunity. We can't be sued over this." Yeah. You know, there, there's no um, there's nothing, nothing right. you can do. So they jump in. They say, "We're going to provide a service." Bum, bum, bum. 
And then, well, and everybody wants the service. Certainly, when you put drywall up, you can't tell. The average person can't walk in and tell, oh, well, this electric isn't going to catch fire. Right. They don't know. Nobody can tell. They don't know whether the plumbing <laughs> is in, you know, at at uh, at the standard it's supposed to be at. They don't know any of this stuff. They just want the house built right. right. Everybody wants that. And the expectation is, is that you pay all this money and jump through all these hoops for these building inspectors. Now, when I built my house, um, there was you know, the building inspector came through two times. Walked through the one time and just sort of said, huh, there's a frame of a building, all right. And walked through a second time and, uh, you know, looked and made sure that the drywall was up correctly in the garage and then gave us an occupancy permit. I mean, nothing happened. And now I'm not saying anything bad about the guy because he knew that he knew that I didn't want a lot of pressure from him. Now, but, now imagine you were a troublemaker and the town didn't like you. Well, they, they had every reason to. The building inspector liked me. The town did not. <laughs> but, or to one of the building inspector's friends. Let's say the building inspector has a reason not to like you. Yeah. My dad threw the building inspector off our property years ago when our house burnt in the 90s when I was, when I was a teenager and told him that he was going to have him arrested if he came back. We never saw him again. Yeah. There was no permits involved in that. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450. Free is in freedom. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. What are your building permit stories? Because this stuff is, oh, it's a mess. Free Talk Live. Did you know you can legally exit the U.S. federal income tax system? Well, it's true, and thousands of American nationals are doing it. The 16th Amendment and the Internal Revenue Code are legal, but only in a limited jurisdiction. This is the basis behind the voluntary nature of the income tax. Learn the exit strategy provided by Congress. Find out more by visiting WeissParis.com and watch our numerous videos. That's WeissParis.com. Talk live, and you are free to call in and talk live here on the radio. It is Mark with you, Jay, and Angie. And well, we've kind of got two concurrent topics going at the same time. We were talking about daylight savings time, and I guess it's, uh, they're lo- looking at eliminating it in Idaho, which you know, not a lot of people live there. But I think that there's this building wave against daylight savings time, and I'm I'm for that. But the topic of Big businesses, specifically this one business called Blackwater, uh, buying up houses and doing sort of rental on a national or larger scale. Mostly Europe. Yeah. Mostly rentals had been done by individuals. So maybe a, a corporation would own a rental development or something. But, you know, they might have two or three, but they weren't done on a large scale with a company doing these, uh, you know, doing the whole deal big company now it's getting more and more like that and one of the complaints is is that um these companies are too quick to uh you know basically kick people out that if they don't pay their rent out they go um and as a former landlord i can say i was probably certainly too lax in some circumstances me too and as a result people People could smell that. Like hustlers know when you're not going to uh, do the right. You know when you're not going to be a uh, you know 
stalwart defender of your own investment. And you begin to ratchet down the list of most important things to pay. The number one thing to pay if you're renting should be your rent. Absolutely. Right? It should be top of the list. And if it's not, then some people, oh, well, you know, uh, they're going to they're going to put the power bill first. They're going to put the, you know, the other bills first. And then they're going to be like, well, and the kids need to go to school and, uh, you know, this the, the, the cigarette and beer, uh, you know, budget and cable TV. Everything then begins. Internet. To, yeah. Then begins to go above yours. And once you're in that circumstance, you you're you're out of luck. There's no way to crawl back up the list. And. I don't feel particularly bad that a company has this uh, system of uh, kicking renters out when they haven't paid their um, their their payments. I do feel bad that they use regulation and uh, you know relationships to lower tax bills and the sort of claims that have been made here to, to squeeze out competition. To squeeze out competition because that's not good. But I, I you know if somebody's not paying their rent, well. Out they should go, as far as I'm concerned. Honestly, they should go. Uh, if, you know, the, the, it should go based on what the contract said when it said it, and I think that's a uh, the, the fairest way to do it. But um, you know, it's it's easy to go after big companies. Oh, this heartless big company, this mother's been kicked out, and all this uh, stuff as they always do. But you know, somebody. <laughs> It's, it isn't free to live places. But they're a business. They're in that business to make money. Yep. And if you're not paying your rent, they're not making their money. Right. And somebody would. And so you're keeping that space from somebody who is going to pay. That's it. And that's tough, I guess. But my mother and uncles owned a company that had duplexes, and I managed those duplexes. And I can tell you that, you know, they could see me coming a mile away I had to, as a person who was representing uh, mm-hmm. a company, it was easier for me. But when I was doing it on my own, it got a lot harder. And I remember one particular renter who paid his first and last and paid, and that was his last. Uh, he he never paid rent after that How at long all. did he stay there? About six months, and it was hard wow. to get him out. We had to we had to you know go through the legal system and he finally left. And what is the law? Like you have thirty days, you have it to was, give them thirty days to get out. Uh, more or less, okay. that's how it was. And you had to post things on the door. And then once they posted on the door, if you take money from them, then you have to start the process again. So the idea is to hand you a little bit of money in order to so keep things have, off, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't, I didn't know all the laws. I was just trying to rent a place out. And then when he left, it was a pigsty and i had to go through i mean just basically with a manure shovel uh taking all the crap off the floor then had to steam clean the floors and you know all this stuff it was a nightmare and people there are renters out there excuse me landlords out there that have far worse stories than i ever had mostly the things weren't broken i just had to clean a lot of stuff no i knew a girl who stuffed dirty diapers in the radiators like in the heating vents because she got evicted Ah. I was like, are you kidding me? She was like, oh, yeah, they, they evicted me. So this is what I did. I said, that's just horribly disgusting. <laughs> right. It's terrible. And, you know, why'd you get evicted? Because I wasn't I paying didn't the pay rent. my rent. Right. Yeah, that's what she the, said. There were some guys that got evicted of some uh, property management operation I know of. Uh, it There was two of them that were really, really bad uh, that, I d- that I did. But this one here, what had happened is the people, when they had gotten evicted, 
they started urinating in bottles. Wonderful. And, then, and they turned the heat all the way up. It was summertime. And they dumped their urine all over on all the radiators, They uh, all the carpets. Um, and this was a um, three-unit three house. But they weren't massive pigs. The other one I did was probably the worst one. I went over at my horse trailer, shoveled it out, filled the horse trailer up. Like, and, I, and this is not a two horse trailer. Oh no, yeah, this is that that, that horse trailer that you you know right. I have. What's a five horse trailer? Is uh, that what that is? You could put six in there. All right, um, it's an it's a eighteen foot. It's six basically a, what they call it's a stock, stock trailer. trailer. It's a live stock livestock trailer. It's eighteen yeah. foot long, eight foot wide. Yeah, that's a big uh, trailer. And it's a, 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 this one's eight foot tall. So I like I had it all loaded with like trash and it's nasty more or less stuff. a large dumpster. Uh, I yes, mean, it size and um. Yeah, I mean, I forget what the dump bill was. It was a couple hundred bucks just to drop stuff at the dump. And uh, when I had went in there, you know, it, like it was nasty smelling, and I got so attacked by fleas, but I had never seen. And people were literally living there mm-hmm. in this filth, like when I showed up to clean it. Um, and I had shown up there a couple days earlier just to take the trash out because right. they wouldn't even take their own damn trash out. And uh, it was just like it was, it was that was. That was pretty crazy, but people do some, and, and they weren't like vindictive because they were getting evicted. They, those are just losers. But these other people were clean people. But when they were getting evicted because they didn't pay, they literally bottled their urine after they packed up the U-Haul truck. They went back in, dumped the urine all over everything, and left. Yeah, and did not. And they they cost that homeowner tens of thousands of dollars of damage just by doing that. Just by doing that, literally. And one like one wonders why. Why would you do this? I, I kind of get it with the banks when the foreclosure thing happened in like 2008 and stuff. I can get the collusion with the banks and the uh, Federal Reserve and the crashing of the economy. I can kind of see how people, you know, their minds worked around this. I would have never done it, but whatever. I can get it. But you're doing this to a landlord who did what? Who who chose to rent to you whose biggest mistake was doing business with you yep right like i'm gonna make you suffer because you were stupid enough to get into a contract with me and i am a loser who doesn't pay my bills right like that's how i feel ladies and gentlemen if you are one of these people who did this this is how i feel about you at this moment now if you've got some good reason please let me know the number is 855-450-3733 i'm not saying that there's no circumstance where I would uh, agree to this. Okay, the landlord molested your kid. All right. <laughs> okay. You you win. But I, I you know, there's this this uncalled for behavior and I the law and public sentiment tends to go towards the renter. That's the reason we have this thing called uh, uh, sort of fixed prices and renting. I came here with it. Rent control uh, is because people. Which is are, ridiculous, yeah, too. Rent control is a crazy idea that the government's going to somehow control rent. It can, so, so this particular aspect of the economy, we will control. No, it never works. You can't control the economy. You can only confuse the situation. Uh, I tend, I tend, as a person who's done landlording, I tend to side with the landlords in these circumstances, but the law doesn't. And those that are out there wanting to see free college and free health care, where's their next thing? Is it going to be free housing? Well, housing just costs, the rent is too damn high. They already have free housing. Right. Well, they they have that. Section 8. Yeah. Well, now we need, now we need Section 8 for all, just like Medicare for all. 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE.
People are just bad at adulting sometimes. Free Talk Live. Call in. Talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. Jay. And Angie. 855-450-3733. It looks like I've actually had David on cold here for some time. I've, uh, yeah, well, you get the uh, the B team here, sadly. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't watching the, the phones. Um, yeah, let's go to the phones. I've got uh, David in New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello? Yeah, it hasn't been that long. Okay. Well, good. The service around here sucks. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I won't be tipping. <laughs> well, there you go. What's on your mind, David? Not, well, I had something else, but I want to comment on something that, because you something you said earlier in the program. But let me slip in the comment that I've been both on both sides of the renter landlord thing and i got screwed on both sides of it and so i'll I'll never rent anything again and i'll never rent anything to anyone ever again yeah i i I can feel you on that one too i do understand why people uh you know want to own property but i think that some of the arguments for owning property are spurious specifically around finances if you're gonna live in the same place for seven years then maybe it's a good idea but a lot of people don't. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, how did you, you had, before uh, you go on? Uh, how did you get ripped off by the landlord? What happened there? Well, the, the, well, the, in several different ways, but the most sour one is the difference between um, when you rent a place that you that you live in versus when you rent a place that you store your possessions in. Yeah. And for some for some reason in this country. Um, if you if you go bankrupt while you're renting a place, you're storing your things. They think they, that they own everything that you stored in there. But if you go bankrupt while you're living in an apartment, they don't take your body and put you in slavery. I mean, they don't take and they don't take your furniture out of your apartment. Um, so what's the difference there? What gives there? You know, that's kind of BS. It's an interesting question. All right. If, if you run a if you run a my argument obviously is that if you run a store if you sell storage and somebody doesn't pay you 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 do the same thing as if you rent them a house you you evict them and you put their possessions out on the curb they can come and get them or other people can take them but you know you go through the the legal process evict them and put their stuff out on the curb uh, whereas in the storage industry you know if you store uh, fifty thousand dollars worth of goods in a unit. And you're paying them, you know, a hundred, two hundred dollars a month, and then uh, you get hit by a truck, and you go bankrupt. All of a sudden, they think they own your fifty thousand dollars worth of goods. Yeah, that's you know how it's I mean? done. Yeah, yeah, they, they don't care, you know, why you didn't pay them. It's just a fact you didn't pay them. That's the way the contracts written so up. Do they sell your stuff right. at pennies on the dollar? One would presume, and then right. uh, pay the bill, or do they just keep everything? Say that again. So if they're keeping gold bars in there, right? Let's say they've got ten thousand yeah. dollars worth of gold bars and you're one thousand dollars in arrears. Chances oh, are no, yeah. chances are good go they'll I'll get go something close to ten thousand dollars for gold, uh for the gold as uh what it's worth, right? So let's say they get nine thousand dollars for the gold. Do they take 
their one thousand dollars and then return you the eight thousand dollars? No, no, no. They, they uh, under current laws everywhere I've seen, and then there may uh, there have been some movements in state legislatures to change this to change this. And legislators, listen up, because it needs to be changed in every state so that they, if they do do liquidate your stuff to get their what you owe them, they they should be only entitled to what you owe them and and any expenses. They shouldn't be entitled to everything that's in the unit, which is the way that they do it now. Yeah. So those laws need to be, ri- be need to be written in state legislatures to prevent them from from that ripoff. Well, so. nobody's forced to put their stuff, you know, in in any particular storage unit. You do sign a contract. I have three friends that run storage unit operations that used to do. They, I got one friend, two friends that do storage units and commercial retail. I got one friend who's getting um, into commercial. Uh, I'm sorry, commercial rentals. He's getting. He's got storage units. He's getting into commercial rentals and getting out of. Storage units. Uh, uh, real estate rentals. I mean, uh, residential rentals because it's a real hard to evict somebody, especially if they want to game the system and right. milk you and they got kids. You just can't get rid of them. I think David points. David's point is interesting. It's probably the exception as opposed to the rule. The vast majority of people who are going into arrears on their storage unit have probably gone there and taken their stuff out. But if you do get hit Usually. by a bus... Right, and you cannot go to the storage unit to get out your gold bars or whatever is a value in there. Then, um, yeah, I, I'd say that in most cases it doesn't turn out the way David's talking about. Probably the vast majority of well, cases, but in the few cases that it does, there should be some kind of limit on it. That makes some sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so what were so, you talking about? What do you want to talk about? Well, I, uh, I was going to call up something else, but I but uh, I changed that because you had said something that's been on my list for a while, and I wanted to bring that up. And that is the you, you were talking about uh, Sarah, for instance, and you said earlier you phrased it: you can call and talk about anything that you want. Right. So and, this is Sarah calling in from New Mexico, your your home girl. Well, she ain't my home girl. Well, she's from New Mexico. I don't have any home girls. <laughs> well, I don't. I, I happen to not like people a whole lot, and so I don't have any homeboys or home girls or anything of the sort. So, All right. Um, anyway, uh, that I was just uh, using that to mark where in your radio program you had mentioned this. You use the phraseology: you can call in and talk about anything that you want. It's true. Whereas Ian very, very specifically says you can call in and bring up whatever you want, which I've always detected uh, as uh, being worded that way very intentionally um, because you can bring it up, but if we don't like it, you ain't going to talk about it very long. Um, and, yeah, I think that's still uh, accurate probably. I mean, you know, ultimately it has to be an interesting topic that we find compelling and have some ability to talk about. If people call in about, uh, Something you know. Something boring. Right. Well, the the odds on um, what, 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 what sport are they, what sport ball are they playing right now? No idea. Baseball? I don't the know. odds on the Yankees beating the Red Sox in the upcoming game. I'm not going to be able to help with that in any way, shape or form. They should be calling a sports talk station as opposed to me it's sometimes fun to watch me cook when you uh you know bring up these topics but you know ultimately that's only good for a few seconds of entertainment and then after that it's boring so um right yeah, i mean that still so, exists right and the uh the, the larger picture though is that the, i had mentioned a, a, while, a few days ago week or whatever about the my assessment that uh, radio broadcast frequencies you know the actual bands kilohertz megahertz gigahertz is a finite resource, assuming you have to have so much space between each 
uh, frequency that's being broadcast on. So it's a it's a finite commodity, just it like is. Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. And and um, and I would say I would venture to say, without having done any research, that there are very few frequencies uh, that are that go unused. Um, uh, in other words, they're they're all being used. It's not like it's a worthless commodity. Uh, when, uh, uh, as evidenced by, you know, if, if I'm accurate, that there are very few broadcastable frequencies that are not having something broadcast over them, then well, you know that's a, that's another point. I would say that yeah. you're uh, in that you're only accurate based on geography, right? So if it's in New York City or uh, L.A. or Chicago or some major metro, then yes, that much is true that it's full. But in a lot of places in the United States and even a lot of cities, the band isn't entirely full. David, I know you have a point you're getting to here, and I'm uh, going to hold you over. The number is 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE as in Freedom. Free Talk Live. I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. Yeah! Free Talk Live. You're free to call in and talk live about whatever you want to do. Plenty of people here on the phones. We're going to get right to you. I uh, want to real quick tell you about DLive. So if you go to dlive.freetalklive.com, it's a new streaming platform that we've uh, recently been trying out. And we followed PewDiePie over there. So check us out at dlive.freetalklive.com. If uh, you want to follow us, that'd be awesome. You probably have to create an account because, well, it's kind of new. There's ways to give out there's it's cryptocurrency related so you can like hand out uh, little payments and stuff that's cool dlive.freetalklive.com i don't think you have to create an account on dlive to just listen okay because that's how now, i listened to uh, ernie's ernie's show the ernie hancock show this morning right is uh, i just clicked a dlive link and it just brought me to it so to listen uh, if just, you wanted to, to, to chat or do whatever right, there's quite a it's, it's a robust chat room there's no doubt very interactive yeah, let's go back to David calling in from New Mexico. David, you're asking about radio bands, and I kind of explained that, yeah, um, depending on where you are in the United States, some of the bands will be full. I think that from a population standpoint, that a good percentage of America lives in a place or near a place where the band is full, but as a geographic situation, most of America's radio band is not full. So go ahead. Right, and we're not really counting that because if there's really nobody there to hear it then it's kind of moot i mean yep. the frequent all, all all of our frequencies are available on the the far side of the moon for instance correct but there's nobody there's nobody there to to sell things to and so yep. well that, that we know of um and so what's the point but so that that wasn't that was just a, a a given in what i had presented and then um this is true of other markets as well, but it's especially true in the market that I'm in more than any place else I've ever been. But the radio, the radio here that is interactive, because there's radio that's not interactive. You just turn it on and you just listen to whatever is pre- presented. Then there's other radio that's that's interactive, um, and I guess there's also radio that's not interactive. However, it's broadcasting, uh, you know, po- political material 
in an attempt to influence how you vote, and, and thus to the, what they're attempting to do is to control the government. You know, just like a lobbyist, they're they're, they're using radio, they're using radio broadcast to uh, lobby to people and lobby to government simultaneously. And and in in the market that I'm in, almost every damn day uh, they have political operatives. Like t- today, the uh, coincidentally, Stephen Michael Quezada, the uh, guy that I worked with in Breaking Bad, he's a county commissioner. He was on the radio just just a, an hour ago for an hour, and um, they're, so they're using radio to to attempt to control the people through the government and to control business in many different ways. And some of those programs are interactive. For instance, that one was they they took phone calls, um, uh, and then. Um, uh, when they when they use this finite resource to uh, attempt to program, you know, brainwash uh, people to their way of thinking, um, there's uh, you know there there's some re- uh, rights and responsibilities aspect that that come up in that, and some First Amendment stuff and some Fourteenth Amendment stuff, and you know, frankly, uh, like I told your call screener, I, I consider many broadcasters to be racketeers. Uh, I'm not including you, but uh, flat out in our market, like the ones that that, uh, are trying to put me in prison, for instance, or in jail for up to six months or up to a year, whatever it is, I don't remember. For calling a radio show. Um, Yeah, for calling a radio show that happens to be a public university, which is... uh, One can uh, see why you would get certainly upset about that, right? Like, that's a a pretty important point you're bringing up, is these people choose to, uh, have chosen to use the law to go after you for calling in when they tell people to call in. David, I appreciate it. I got some other calls here on the line. Thanks for giving us a call uh, here on Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. Let's go to Jack calling in from New Hampshire. Jack, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey there, Mark. How you doing tonight? Oh, Jack, the organizer of the Alt Expo. That's right. The Alternatives Exposition. That's the right. Original fork. And <coughs> Alt Expo is uh, well. Why don't you describe it, Jack? Well, um, so it's. I call it uh, the other day on this chat. We're on uh, the original fork because we forked off of uh, you know. Um, Free State Project events, but we're actually still at Free State Project events. And what what I found was back in 2007 when we, when we started, uh, it seemed like the Liberty Forum, the organizer, was all politics all the time. And I basically said, well, what about the alternatives? And um, so she says, oh, you mean alternative energy? And I said, no, alternatives to everything. Because that's the way I look at the libertarian movement. We're trying to build the things that we know will work better. I mean, I only say that because I spent my first 25 years in the movement just, like, complaining and, you know, yelling at the TV news people. And, right. You know, and that doesn't do much, finally, does it? Finally, no. I found out that it just makes you more frustrated, and it actually reduces your your personal power in yeah. your own little world. Your happiness. You're busy worrying about these other people doing their th- their things as, as opposed to doing your thing. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. So the Porcupine Freedom Festival is a uh, festival that they have here in New Hampshire, and the Alt Expo is an event uh, sort of that goes uh, you know goes alongside. There's also the Alt Expos occurred at the Liberty Forum, which is another Free State Project event here in New Hampshire. So basically, your events tend to have. Um, you know, people presenting different ideas, less political, more sort of direct action. 
That's right. The political, like the you know, basic thing about a republic is you're asking other people, your representatives, to do stuff for you, and uh, it's really frustrating. You can spend your whole life and only move things just a tiny bit, but if you take direct action, you know, you can change your own life. And my, one of my best examples of that is homeschoolers. You know, you can go and fight the school board for the whole duration of your kid's yeah. time in public schools and get almost nowhere. But if you choose to homeschool them or go to a private school or anything, you get actual results immediately lifetime right you're still going to pay the taxes exactly. to run the uh, the monopoly school but nonetheless that's uh, you're going to you're going to see some some success in that arena so um, i know you guys are going to have the old expo going on before the porcupine freedom fest at the fork fest which is uh, free talk live that's exactly right yeah we're, it's it's sort of our uh, our event isn't right but it's a decentralized event that we will be attending and people can do what they want tell us what you're going to be doing there well, um, ForkFest is like less structured, as you know, and uh, we yeah, have... Yeah, it's just a camping uh, event. At, yeah. At the Alt Expo is usually kind of highly structured. I mean, it doesn't seem like that. We just all get together under a big tent. But what we've been doing is having what I call the speed sessions, where we have one-hour sessions about some interesting topic, and then, ba-boom, you're off the stage and the next guy is on. So, you know, at a typical pork fest, we'll have like... Well, we've had as many as 70 different short presentations at one of the pork fests a few years back when when pork fest was bigger yeah uh, i've seen uh, so, so, different things where you can build a solar powered car i've seen stuff where a guy's talking about how to make um you know storm shutters on the inside of your house cheaply and easily uh, just all kinds of things oh that god you there. remembered that that was way back that, that was, was 2010 yeah, was i remember great. when some of these are but but yeah we've had hundreds of talks and uh yeah and, so and every fest, year there's Oh, go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say, at Forkfest, I don't know how to make it disorganized and, and go along with my usual approach, which is, <laughs> you know, bam, 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 one talk after another. We'll see. We'll, we'll put it together, and I'll announce it. Uh, you got a website, on, Jack? On, well, we do. The Alt Expo website is not built up yet, but we just messed around with it. Our domain is altexpo.net, so it's A-L-T-E-X-P-O.net. And all you're going to see on there is a few few videos we uploaded just to test things out. It's probably a good so idea to have a link a, there to the Telegram group or something, some way that people can get a hold of you. Oh, yeah. We'll have links to all the good stuff okay. from there. Jack, keep um, us updated, okay? Yeah, we'll, love to talk to you at uh, ForkFest. Okay. I got a few topics I know people will be interested in. I can Hit it real quick. You got right 20 now. seconds. Okay. We have a group called ReplaceBook, trying to figure out all the ways to replace Facebook. Uh, mesh Networking. We'll, we'll, there'll be a Mesh Network working at ForkFest. Uh, there's a, a presenter. I'm trying to get on a, about a worldwide shortwave radio, um, new broadcaster, um, all kinds of stuff. Thanks for the call, That's Jack. About all I can cover. Sure oh. thing. We'll talk to you later, Mark. 855-450-3733. That's the call-in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark. Jay. And Angie. Call in and talk about whatever you want. We might be able to squeeze you in here on this live edition of Free Talk Live. Let's go right to the phones. Got Tom from Detroit calling in. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? 
Hey, guys. Uh, I heard the conversation earlier uh, about gold and silver, and I have this conversation all the time with people about what is real money. And I wanted to point something out that uh, actually was pointed out to me by, I can't think of his name right now, on, uh, on YouTube. But you guys are familiar with the National Debt Clock? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I know that you can go to, I think it's U.S. Debt Clock. Uh, De- usdebtclock.org or debt clock you, you yeah. i don't know uh look it up it's online US. and there's uh there's this incredibly intensive site that is just running numbers constantly showing you know deficits and debts and all these sorts of things uh for the United States government and the numbers are exhaustive yep and it is usdebtclock.org okay thank and you the, what i wanted what i wanted to point out was and I was under the assumption until I did just a little bit more uh, research on it. I was under the assumption that the U.S. government actually posts this and is actually, you know, just sticking it in our face to to make us, you know, just to, to make fun of us. Because I never believed throw, that, Tom. I always believed not, it was some not. concerned citizen putting this up. It is. Because you know, I I don't think the government could keep a site that's this complex up. <laughs> I'm looking it, at and it. You're right. It, it is. It it is a private guy. But my point to this is, if you look down to the right side, lower side of it, and it shows you dollar to silver ratio and dollar to gold ratio, it really shows you how the banks, our our central banks around the world, are suppressing gold and silver. Silver and gold right now in the free, so-called free market, is trading silver is at about $15 an ounce, a little under at the moment. And yet, in this dollar to silver ratio, it's valuing it at six hundred and thirty seven dollars an ounce. And dollar to gold ratio is five thousand one hundred and seventy dollars an ounce. And most people don't even understand what that means. You know, well I don't understand what it means. What 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 does it mean? I mean, other than the, the, the value of silver and gold are depressed. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. And, the, and the bottom line is uh, you know, our, our our currency, I mean, because it says a one and a zero on a piece of paper, and it says a one and a zero zero on a piece of paper, uh, the people believe that the one zero zero has more value than the one with the one and zero. <laughs> right, just the piece of paper. Right. Well, the you know that's the and that was the trick all along. So, like the term dollar, I believe, is uh, a Dutch term for a measurement of silver, and so the very using of the term the the government. Uh, you know, use this term to measure, but now the Federal Reserve, a Federal Reserve note, will use the term dollar too. So this is basically a lie. It's just it claims, a coupon for a dollar. Is all the Federal Reserve it, note is. But if it was. Um, uh, you know, if you could go get a dollar, which is a measurement of silver, uh, a certain amount of silver, um, you know, from the past, then, right. you know, that would be true. And at one point, that's what it was. It was a coupon that you could go get some silver with. Now it's not redeemable. And now it's not redeemable because there's nothing that backs it. And I can totally see that we have all been duped. But kind of the reality is, is that I don't think Americans even care anymore. I, I, you know, we beat this drum on Free Talk Live for many years. And I had such a difficult time, Tom. I used to have people would come out to my property and do some work. And I'd try to pay them in mercury dimes. You know, I'd say, hey, this is a mercury dime. It's got this much silver in it. And, you know, this is much it's worth. I'd love to pay you for your wages in this. And I even give them a little extra. And it happened 
vanishingly few times that I was able to pay somebody. I think it was twice in some dimes. And that was it. Everybody else was like, I got to have dollars. And of course they do. You know, you want to trade those dimes in, you'd have to go to a special place. You have to pay this uh, premium to, to trade them in. And then, you know, they, they feel like they're going to lose money and they're certainly going to lose time. And it was really, really difficult. Mainly, it's the well, biggest heist that, that uh, has ever been f- pulled on people. And uh, apparently, we that, don't care. Go ahead, Tom. That, that, exact, that exact scenario is it's very interesting because just, we just debated that recently with being wanting to pay someone with actual gold or silver. But I have another real quick one before you guys let me go. Uh, as, a, as a joke, I went online on eBay and I bought... Uh, the $100 trillion reserve notes from Zimbabwe. Yep. And the 100 and the thousand, or excuse me, the 1 billion, the 10 billion, and the 5 billion notes. And I now am officially a quadrillionaire, my friend. Well, Don't you've you got us that? beat. We've got one of those <laughs> notes hanging right here on the wall in, uh, here in, in the studio. So we are trillionaires, uh, I've got to say. Anybody? Well, I'm a quadrillionaire. Yeah, my you're a, quadri- I quadrillionaire. Am a quadrillionaire. Yeah. Because you have so many of these. And, like, that's the joke, right? Like, you know, the government printed a bunch of zeros on a piece of paper, and they said that it was worth something. Ta-da. But even they can't beat the market. When the market says that piece of paper is worthless, then it is. And that's what they're dealing with in Venezuela right now. They've had three different currencies. They had to knock zeros off because it was getting too hard to print them all on there. So, uh, you know, they went from the Boulevard to the Boulevard Fuerte, and now they got the Boulevard Sovereigno or something. I don't know. And it just keeps on going. Fiat's around the world. Uh, I, you know, Fiat every- is money that the government says is money. Is, uh, is, isn't even really necessary anymore thanks to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies because you know, if I want to do some trade with somebody in Venezuela, for example, you know, 15 years ago, they would have had to tra- go to some international money transmitter and we would have, they would have to trade their boulevards for U.S. dollars or I'd have to trade my U.S. dollars for boulevards and there would be percentage made. Now we can make direct money transactions with one another via Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or Dash. Bitcoin Cash and Dash both have great penetration in Venezuela right now. And literally until now, we really haven't had as a global community uh, to the ability to get off fiat. We just haven't had a technology to do it up until the last 10 years. And now that, you know, Bitcoin adopt cryptocurrency adoption. I'd like to, could I jump in there? Sure, jump in, Tom. Uh, Again, you you claim that we've gotten off fiat, and I know where you're going with the uh, cryptocurrency. But how is Bitcoin any more any more of a than a fiat? It, f- it has no value. It's just a calculation. You're not holding anything intrinsic in your hand that you can trade. It's just a number. Right, right. That, and, and you thing. explained it right there. That's why how it's not a fiat. And it's the the biggest thing is is the Bitcoin network, the the nodes, the thirteen thousand or fifteen thousand nodes that are decentralized. Uh, everywhere. They're all around the world, maybe some on satellites, who knows, but is it, is it Bitcoin can't be controlled by any central authority. And that's why I like Bitcoin much better than gold or silver, because there's no such thing as decentralized gold or silver. If I hold it in my vault, I've had, for now I have to have a vault, and now I have to be willing to kill somebody so they don't take it from me. But there are men who, if they really want to come take, if I had all my earnings in precious metals and they want to come take it, I'm not going to be able to stop them, because most likely it's going to be you know, people wearing shiny badges uh, to where right. cryptocurrency, the, 
if you're smart about it, you know, it can be out there. It can be in a hard wallet. It can be on the cloud. It can, you know, it can be. Um, Do you have gold and silver? I have some. Yeah. And same here. Um, some. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Correct. And I think that it's worth having some of this stuff. I also think it's worth having some food and some ammunition, too. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah, you're toilet paper. Right. It's, it's good to have those things. And, and yep. skills. Our number one asset to have if the S hits the fan is skills. Yep. Your skills are going to be more valuable than any gold, any crypto, silver, and bullets, or whatever. Skills are number one. But we need to have all of these things, and we need to use them. I, for over 25 years have been carrying silver with me every single day, trying to barter in silver. Yep. I actually uh, can today, barter in crypto. Yeah, oh, I can barter in crypto. I've been very, very easily, but I am constantly trying to give someone a bar of silver for something. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and 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 since I've lived in New Hampshire the past couple of years now, three times I've been able to spend silver. It- and that's three times. And I know what an activist you are, so I imagine you're asking quite a few people. Tom, I it's it's not that I wanted to pick a, a winner or a loser in this cryptocurrency, uh, you know, this currency race. It's just that I agree with you that um, you know that fiat currency stinks, and I began to see the writing on the wall. All the questions you are asking are questions I asked in 2011, and it just appears as though. The world is moving towards more, uh, you know, cryptocurrency adoption, and I want to be prepared for that. Because, how about this, Tom? Do you con- concede that cryptocurrency is superior to government fiat? Yes, and I, you know what? You're, the other gentleman that was just explaining Jay. something, I'm not, I've never heard him before. He pointed something out really good that actually just clicked in my head. Tom, call uh, back in on it. Uh, thanks for the call. Check us out at freetalklive.com. All right, it's another edition of the Edgington Post Show. I am Mark Edge here for Free Talk Live, and I have with me today a return guest, David Morgan from The Morgan Report. David, you there? I am here. Thank you. Thank you, David. Um, Actually, I asked you uh, on this because I knew that you would uh, have the understanding to do this report. There's apparently some new report called the Section 232 Uranium Report, and I didn't think that I was qualified to talk about it, so I asked you to to explain it to the audience. Sure. Well... Right now, the United States actually uses more uranium than any other country in the world per, to produce uh, electricity. And we only uh, provide about 1% of our own use. So we are at the mercy of uh, our importers, which are basically Canada and Australia, which are both very friendly to the United States. Let's keep them that way, right? Yeah, exactly. But we're still in a situation. So uh, some companies raised this question about domestic supply and being a possible security issue as far as quality of the uranium and a bit of a bind have, uh, you know, our friendlies turn unfriendly. And I'm, that's not what exactly the report said. But the idea that, you know, we're very vulnerable regardless. So this 232 is a proposal that says 25% of the uranium that's used in the United States for uh, energy production must be domestically sourced which obviously with 1% now, it's going to put a big boon into the uh, uranium sector. Right, the the domestic uranium sector. Domestic uranium sector, exactly. And thanks for clarifying that. So uh, a lot of people have been questioned about, you know, what does this mean? The bottom line for most of us is that we could get a bifurcation of prices. 
you could have a world price for uranium and a domestic price for uranium. Yeah. Uh, it certainly will it be a boon to the entire uh, sector? Probably not. Certainly would be for the United States. Any uranium company based in the U.S. would probably get a pretty good pop in their stock price. Right. Everybody, and, everybody, every uranium company in the United States at this point is the one that can do the job, as opposed to the, um, you know, like some other company just saying, hey, let's get into uranium. Like they can't really do that here in the U.S. Um, nobody can just they, they've got the shovels to put in the ground right now, I guess, is what the uh, what I'm saying. So the companies that are already in existence are going to see this big boom. Exactly. And on top of that, um and as I said, Canada supplies a great deal currently. Uh, Cameco has a uh, couple of mines in the U.S., which, of course, if this 232 passes, they would probably open those up. So I think there's 90 days from the time we're doing this interview, Mark, to where there has to be a decision by uh, the Trump administration whether they're going to enact this 232 or not. A lot of people, you know, no one knows. Uh, I would, my bet is that it will happen. And, of course, this is, you know, well, David, you're Mr. Free Market. There shouldn't be, you know, trade barriers and all that. And, this and is effectively a tariff. I mean, you know, it's yeah, not exactly it one, but it's darn yeah. close. Yeah. yeah. It's It does, in a way, go against my basic philosophy about totally Same free here. Open but, but there's a the reality, hand, too. My philosophy it's is... It's a reality, <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to make a big deal of the security issue, but that is, is, that is mentioned in this 232. And you think about it. If you don't have enough energy to run your electrical grid uh, because no one's importing uranium to you, I mean, it, it can be a security issue. So, you know, you can make it go any way you want. Just want to bring out the pertinent facts so people can make up their own mind whether or not it's a good idea or a bad idea. As far as the reality of the situation, I do think it'll be passed. I do think you'll see higher uranium prices, and I do think that you'll see probably a bifurcated market. And on a bifurcated market, I want people to know that these exist already. I mean, the sugar market, for an example, yeah. you have your white sugar domestic price, which is far higher than your what's called raw sugar or world sugar price. Um, so it's not unusual to see, you know, two different price levels for the same commodity. For the it, same it, reason, too, for this ex, yeah. for the exact same reason, because you have to buy a certain amount of, uh, uh, you know, companies have to buy a certain amount of raw sugar, right? Or, excuse right. me, local domestically produced sugar. Excuse me. Correct. That's the correct. Thing. It's yes. so much so that um, companies that rely on sugar production are getting sugar out of corn and getting sugar out of beets rather than getting sugar out of sugar cane plants. I mean, the the market is so perverted at this point that um, you know. I mean, there, you've seen innovations in order to get around it. It's fascinating to watch. Absolutely, it is, and you know, it's. I, we're in such a flux, such a changing world. It's happening so rapidly, and there's so many vectors that we're, you know, shooting off in different directions. And it's just a fascinating time to live. But uh, you know, the uranium story is something very few people know about. I know there's a lot of, you yeah. know, uh, pro and con on the whole nuclear thing. In fact, I'm going to digress a moment, Mark, if you might allow me. But I certainly I started another research report called uh, Energy Stock Profits. Um, if you're interested, you can go to a website called comingenergyboom.com. That's one word, comingenergyboom.com, and watch the webinar for free. But in that, uh, it's, it's, it hasn't been up even a year. We already have some pretty good gains. In fact, one of our uranium picks. When is you up, say we uh, have some good gains, does that mean that you, the, the, the stuff that you've picked, the stocks or uh, sectors that you've picked have gone up? 
Yeah. Okay. The uranium one that we put on um, January 21st is up 8.5%. And we put another one on in February, and it's off a couple percent. But uh, we expect that one will pop up, especially if this 232 gets passed. Yeah. And there's other ones in there. They're all up except one other company. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight companies already. So having uh, seven out of eight up isn't too bad. Anyway. Having made a bunch of uh, you know uh, successful investments in the crypto uh, market, now I, I manage funds. It's not all mine by any stretch of the imagination. But having made some successful uh, guesses in that area, um, you know what I find is there's a lot of people that will poo-poo numbers like eight and a half percent. But if you can get eight and a half percent in a year rather than basically a quarter, um, you've done real well, frankly. So um, you know. Kudos to you. I think that's great. I mean, you gotta have you gotta have safe money too if you're gonna play around in this uh, crazy money. Absolutely. You know, it's, I'm just answering some uh, questions to me right now, and uh, in fact, I may do this on the weekly update. But he's, you know, he's of modest means. He's got savings. He's far better off than a lot of Americans. He wants to know if he should pay for a paid subscription or not. And basically, at the level that he's at, I'm going to answer him and say probably not. And the reason being is that. Uh, what you just outlined, Mark, this is a sector that's at best, you know, maybe 20% of your total investment portfolio should be in this sector. And the sector so is 80% metals and energy. Else. Is it the oh, sector? Well, for count energy, then it'd be higher. But I'm sorry, I'm going back to the Morgan report, but yep. just for the resource sector in general, probably okay. 20%. Now, there's people that are like me that that's their specialty, and it's basically all I invest in. But for most people, this is all they need is some kind of uh, exposure to it. But you don't need to load up because it is so volatile. I mean, these are the highest beta stocks that exist. Beta just means the volatility. These are vol very volatile stocks. Uh, and you got to be very careful with what you're doing, especially when you get into the micro cap situation, which we spent some time with, but not too much. Now, so anyway, back hold to on. Mark. I want to talk about the sector real quick, if I could, okay, please, because sure. I don't understand anything. And I didn't get to sit in on the interview that you had at uh, Enercapulco. And thank you for taking some time out with us there. Um, but about the sector. So. I mean, you know, I own some silver, I own some gold, I, hell, I, I've even bought some platinum and I think a couple, a couple other, palladium, I think I've got some other weird stuff out there. Uh, I like metals, libertarians love metal, um, but I, I, I don't, I know that there's these stocks out there, these mining stocks and things like that. How do you recommend people split this up? Do you think that they should have metals on hand, buried in their uh, backyard or exactly what should they do? Oh, great question. And of course, this is one that I've been asked several times. I'll I'll be very, <laughs> very consistent about it because it's important. And so I am not a bullion dealer, uh, although I am affiliated with the uh, metal savings plan that's on the website. But uh, no, you should start with real metal first, and that's probably sufficient for almost everybody. The most money is actually made on the paper side. I don't like to say that, but you know, the truth is the truth. Reality is reality. So you're going to make more money on uh, a mining company than you'll ever make, potentially, and not in every case, but in uh, many, many cases, you'll make far more money in a stock than you will in silver itself or gold itself, platinum or palladium. For an example, uh, well, 2016 was sort of our comeback year. I actually thought that the sector was, you know, not only did it go higher, I thought that the bottom was in, 
then we were going to be moving up, up, and up. And I turned out to be wrong. 2017 and 18 weren't really that good of years. But going back to 2016, and I forget the exact prices, Mark, but the idea is sound. So Silver had a pretty good run that year. Hold on just one second, uh, David Morgan, please. Um, uh, If you want to hear the rest of this interview, go to archives.freetalklive.com. Search David Morgan. Uh, It'll be in uh, this particular month, April, archives.freetalklive.com. Okay, so silver went up a few dollars, but we picked uh, AG, First Majestic, as our trade uh, that I had for our paid members. And for our paid members, we bought that stock at 250 and sold it, I think, at 18. Silver did not have that kind of a run. It would have been silver going back up past its old nominal high. So what I'm saying is you get a ton of leverage in these stocks. And this is you know what I teach and what we do and what we show people to do. And this is the kind of... Um, let's say, benefit that you can get from a higher risk-reward profile. But for most people, it's best just to start with physical metal. Unless you are a stock investor, you really don't start with the Morgan Report. This would be someone that's already a stock investor that knows something about stocks, stock markets, how to deal with your broker, how to deal with your E-Trade, AmeriTrade, Scott Trade, whatever account you have. Knows how to click a mouse, how to buy and sell, knows what a stop loss is, all those things. So if you subscribe to the uh, membership service, the first thing you get is a PDF file called How to Use the Morgan Report. And in that, I break it down. This much physical, and in physical, this much in silver, this much in gold. In stocks, this much in the top tier, this much in the mid-tier, and this much in speculative category. So basically breaks down a $100,000 portfolio and what you would do. And if you have a $10,000 portfolio, then you just divide everything there by 10. (laughs) It's just an idea of how you allocate. Because too many people get what I call this fear of missing out, these story stocks, these ad copywriters that write all this stuff about these Secret moose pasture stocks. It's going to make you a billionaire, and you're going to, you know, uh, Bronson's going to be upset that, uh, you know, he's going to sell Virgin Airlines to you. You're making so much money. This is just so much hogwash. But people buy into it all the time. Uh, it makes the newsletter writers happy. These are the big, um, let's say, publishing houses. And they got absolutely fabulous ad copywriters. I mean, these guys, I mean, I read this stuff and I want to buy the some stock, you know. But uh, most of the time, it's just a big story that leads nowhere. In fact, I'm going to digress just a moment. Shows the value one, of marketing. <laughs> the value of marketing. There's one that came out a couple of years ago. And it was so well written. And, you know, it had some really, oh, some key uh, buzzwords that made it sound like, more legit, like, you know, who was behind it, although they didn't give the name, and where it was located, and world class. You know, some of the stuff, they got to be a little careful what they write because, you know, someone might come back at them. And I read it. I knew immediately what company it was. And it had been in the Morgan Report in the mid-tier for like two years at a much lower price. Mm. And they said this was a billion-dollar company, and it's not. So I had about three of my people that are already paid subscribers saying, you know, David, you missed it, you missed it, you missed it. And I said, I did not miss this. <laughs> we had it. It's already doubled, and on and on it goes. So occasionally they'll write one that, you know, I would invest in. But most of the time these are companies that I would take a pass on. Yeah, now, these these are the big houses like um, we're talking about here, uh, Merrill Lynch and uh, that sort of thing? No, we're talking more of the publishing houses like you're and they have some good writers, too. So I don't want to get any of my friends upset with me because they have a whole plethora of different writers for different uh, venues. I mean, you know, biotech and options and 
gold and uh, you know basic investing and all kinds of stuff. But you know, it's the Agoras, it's the Weeses, it's the uh, oh uh, Phillips Publishing. I mean, some of these bigger houses that just you know, are a, a newsletter factory. I'll call them. Okay. Uh, they get these absolutely unbelievably talented ad copywriters that write their ad copy, and that's why they, you know. It's a machine. I mean, these guys are not really, in my opinion, and I'm allowed to have it, in my studied opinion, they're not that concerned with who buys their report or their letter. They're concerned with how many they sell. Well, um, I, you know, I, I guess I've seen some of these, and I got to say that they have, uh, you know, got me swept up too at, at times. I've never subscribed to one of uh, any any investment report up to this point. I just kind of keep an eye on different things that I I think are going to work, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. Speaking of which, this uh, this report on uranium. If uh, people are interested in, you know, they've they've been enticed at this point. See the uh, the value of uh, uranium increasing in the United States and this uh, what do you call a bifurcated market? Um, can you tell me uh, how they would go about, uh, you know, getting some more information? Sure. Well, I think for the on the energy side, just go to the that free webinar at comingenergyboom.com and. On the Morgan Report, I mean, we have obviously a free and a paid service. If you just go to the morganreport.com and set up for the free report, uh, you get a pretty good idea of, you know, what we do. And then, you know, there's a sales page on there. And if you're interested in getting, you know, someone that's really sincere about helping you make money in these markets, uh, you can just go to the morganreport.com and there's a pull-down menu. And if you look at, you know, to subscribe and we go through basically everything that you get and since I know the industry so well, because I've been in it for so long, I know what the values are. And what we provide for a 500 a year is what most are selling in the, about 10 times that amount. I mean, I'd say, my, I'd say my peer group, there's a guy in Vancouver that runs his at 3,500 a year, usually discounts at 25. So that's five times as much. Is it five times better? Are you going to make five times the money? The answer is absolutely not. No, <laughs> um, never is. And there's another guy that I, and these are my peers, and I like these guys. They're my friends. I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm adversarial toward them whatsoever. But, you know, I'm just giving you a comparison shopping list. And this other guy does just the the companies he invests in, which is pretty much what I show you, but I invest differently than he does. He's a geologist, well-known, well-respected, and his letter is over triple what mine is. So, um, you know, so as far as value for the buck, but does that guarantee you're going to make money? And I got one more quick story, but there was a gentleman that's now retired in the industry. And his report back at the time, so going back well over a decade, was 1000 a year. And that was pretty pricey at that time frame. And mine at that time was like 129 or 130 a year. I think it was like 10 bucks a month. So his was roughly eight times more expensive. And this guy called me up for consultation because I do consulting. And he told me about this letter and that uh, he had all this money in this company. And it just kept going down and down and down. He's getting very worried and he'd overinvested. And what does he do? And my heart went out to him. I said, well, first of all, Everything that so-and-so says about that company is true. However, it's in a jurisdiction that's very shaky, and it's got a legal issue. And I always, I shouldn't say always, because I have made one exception. Most of the time, I stay away from anything that's got a legal issue around it. I just could just sell out a loss or get out of it, because you never know. It's just going to tie up your money. And for a long time. And he, 
Yeah, and he just made the comment, well, you know, he's got to be better than you because it costs more. Uh, And I just laughed out loud because it was funny to me. I said, you know, most things, you get what you pay for. I mean, we're taught that, you know, you pay more, you get a better suit, you get a better car, you get a better, you know, piece of jewelry, whatever. But in this business, it's not necessarily true. It's uh, it's the same is true in radio ads, I've got to say. Something very similar happens with Free Talk Live because, you know, there's all these big companies out there, Clear Channel, Cumulus. Well, Clear Channel is now called iHeartMedia, but whatever. Um, Clear Channel and Cumulus are out there, and they're setting the market price for these things. And they've got big buildings with secretaries and janitors and all that stuff in it, and they set their rates based on what they need to make and what they expect to sell um, versus Free Talk Live, which more or less just sets its rates based on what people are willing to pay. Uh, you know, it's a market-based uh, you know cost, and thus because <laughs> people, um, you know, our prices tend to be significantly lower. And hopefully that means that either a um, if uh, you know this particular sector of um, advertising doesn't work for you, then you didn't spend that much money on it, and it was the test was easier to to, to try. Or b uh, the the ROI is going to be better if it does work for you. So you know it's uh, it happens in other industries too. Oh, it does absolutely, and I am certainly aware of that. And that's what you know economics really is. I mean, you try to spend your money for the best return to you whether or not it's investing it's it's a product you know what what food you buy, choose to buy what clothes you choose to buy what you know necessities you choose to buy and that kind of thing i mean kind of way off the beaten path here but i'm a pretty frugal guy you met me mark i mean i love getting my toiletries at the dollar store i mean i'm getting stuff here that's saving me massive amounts of money on the toiletries that are very high markup item as we all know I, I, you know, honestly, I don't do uh, the, the shopping at my house. <laughs> my wife takes care of that stuff, but I do know that she goes to the dollar store for things. I'm not entirely clear on what it all is. Um, you know, my needs are pretty simple as far as, uh, you know, shampoo goes. It's just, hey, give me that uh, store brand from uh, Walmart, uh, d- the dandruff shampoo. Because I figure, you know, even if I don't have dandruff, at the very least, the dandruff shampoo is, you know, shampooing my hair and fighting dandruff. So it's a two-for-one sure. for me. <laughs> right. Well, we've kind of gone off the path. Maybe yep. you want to ring us back into something about investing or well, this 232. But I just, wanted to, I just want real quick um, for people to find out uh, about the, the free Morgan report, right? Like that's an easy thing to, yeah, for people to sign Yeah, for. let me just expand on that a little bit because, first of all, every interview that I do like this gets put out to you directly. So if you're on the free report – uh, as these come out, <clears throat> we will send them to you directly. Secondly, I do a weekend wrap-up. I call the weekly perspective. And I look at the top financial news throughout the entire world. I report on it and try to do it in 10 to 15 minutes at the most. And then I usually end with something in the precious metals, usually a comment on gold and silver, at least one of them. So it's a very time-saving uh, service that I provide for free to everyone. So that's something you kind of – Occasionally, we do give you offers from other companies, and that's noted at the top. It will say, this is an offer being made by Weiss Research. This is an offer being made by Agora Publishing. This is an offer being made. And those are some that people like them. There are people that really want those offers, and there are others that say, well, this is just an ad. I hate it. Well, if that's the category that you fall into, just take a pass on it and wait for 
the next one, the next email that comes out will probably be an interview like this. So, you know, we do very much a lot for the benefit of the investing community at large. I have for years. I started that way. I will end that way. Uh, it's consistent. And yet uh, there are some things I've got to pay the bills like everybody else. And we do occasionally uh, let others use our list for offers that in some cases, in fact, we did one with an offer on silver that was a lost leader. But it was, of course, uh, first come, first serve. But it was um, well-known, government-minted, one-ounce silver coins that were at a discount. And, I mean, people scarf those up. So some of these offers, believe me, you would want to take advantage of them. So uh, that's that's the free report. And then, of course, the paid report's a whole different animal that uh, is all about making you money in the markets throughout the entire resource sector, which includes not only the precious metals, but we're the first on the rare earth element story. We're one of the first on cobalt. Uh, we've been the first on many of these issues that have, uh, you know, kind of what I call the uh, mineral de jour, the mineral of the day that uh, moves up and down. Vanadium, as an example, is one that's uh, primarily used to harden steel, but also can be a battery metal. And uh, we, of course, reported on that on a kind of a white paper status in the Morgan Report. It's themorganreport.com. David Morgan, thank you. Go to themorganreport.com and receive updates and insights you will not find anywhere else on the web. You will discover how to grow and protect your wealth under all market conditions. The free Morgan Report provides interviews, webinars, question and answer sessions, plus mind-blowing videos. As David Morgan says, let my passion create your wealth. TheMorganReport.com. TheMorganReport.com.